Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How you like that? How do you like my new intro, people? Bilal's got a big, massive smile on his face because he's the creator of that little masterpiece. That is the intro for the new show, Premier League Carnage, people. You're all very, very, very welcome. <coughs> As you can see, my cough hasn't gone yet. I'm still recovering from yesterday's crazy events, Boxing Day events. Liverpool win a game uh, away from home. Uh, Cody back. Cody Gakpo signs for Liverpool. Whole heap of stress. Uh, Premier League was back. We had Boxing Day fixtures. Fo Premier League football was back with a bang. Obviously, yesterday we only spoke about the Liverpool stuff and the Cody Gakpo stuff. So I thought today we get a, a, a few friends together and we speak about the rest of the Premier League carnage that took place yesterday and today. Well, today not so much. But maybe Mike was happy that it wasn't too much of a carnage and it was a routine win. Um, and of course, I, I thought it's very important that we get a neutral's opinion on Cody Gakpo's move to Liverpool. Because obviously, you guys all heard my opinion yesterday. Heavily biased towards Liverpool, maybe, uh, and the rest of the panel. But today, we've got an Arsenal fan, we've got a Man United fan, and we've got Alex making it. No, he's been on a few times. How dare I say making his debut? Alex to give us a, an expert eye on Cody, all things Cody Gakpo. You're very welcome, Alex, again. Oh, thank you, man. It's been a while since I've been on any channel. It's been a very, very busy month. I'm also recovering from a cough. Sadly, not from a hectic day like Grizz had. I just had the flu. 
but it's very happy to have recovered and be back on the Chris Carr channel. Well, the thing is, right, you have been very, very busy. And people, if people don't know, they should know. You was doing bits for the athletics. So what was that about? Can you explain to please and all the all the subscribers and viewers and listeners what that was actually? Because you had a very nice little gig at the athletic during the World Cup. Uh, you're very kind, man. Um, by the way, it was a really nice intro for that. So I wanted to shout that out as well. Yeah, I was um, working at the athletic uh, on their emergency football hotline. So I had people across the country, well, across the world, genuinely, some people ringing up during the World Cup, just asking questions. Remember, someone asked up about uh, why why they feel like Salah's dropped off the ball, expected goals recently. And the next call was, how can you explain the offside rule to me? Uh, it was a complete range of stuff. Random, yeah. Complete. But I did end up getting published on The Athletic. That was a big highlight of the year, man. Um, Amazing. Very, very, very busy. But I'm, I'm really happy to kind of be settled back down and sort of doing the things I love, which is the streams and chat about football more properly on camera. Yeah, do you know what it is? It's we, the the World Cup was amazing, and and Michael and Bilal, we guys done we done so much coverage. You know, we done we done the daily the daily World Cup shows that went down a tree. We you know the World Cup was amazing and it was brilliant, but I think none of us really got into it from the real, real emotional side of things until your club football comes back. Mm -hmm. And Michael, how excited was you yesterday, the Premier League football's back? Because obviously Carabao Cup, whatever, a few teams are in it. You was you guys were in it as well, but it's not really, you know, that's not the thing. This is what you get your temperature going. This is what gets your blood vessels popping. Was you feeling like that? Even though you didn't play yesterday, was you like, yeah, man, bring the football back. Come on, bring me some Premier League football. Yeah, I was happy yesterday. I got to go back to hate watching. I love hate watching. That's my favorite thing to do. I got back to can hate you, on Can you explain that, please? Can you explain your hate watching, please? All right, so my hate watching is pretty much obviously I hate on Spurs. I had Harry Kane was my vocal was my focus on that Spurs game. Uh Liverpool game, not really. Uh Arsenal, not really. Cause actually I've actually been defending Arsenal lately. I don't like it. Okay. But, so you and Bill have got like a little truce going on. Have you nah, guys? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not supporting Bill. No, no, this guy this guy goes too overboard, but other Arsenal. I know he's too much. He's too much. But no, it was fun. It was fun. I'm I'm gassed. And obviously today we'll talk about it soon with Man United. But it's good to have club football back. It is, man. It is. It is. And club football back for you is is a blessing, Bilal, because so many people questioning Arsenal during the break. Will they be able to continue this title charge? I'm going to call it title charge. I don't care what you say. I don't care what Michael says. I don't care. Alex says people in the chat. Let me know. Let you guys let us know what you guys think. Is this a title challenge from the Gunners. Bilal. Yeah, of course. 100% we're in the title challenge, title race, whatever you want to call it. And it's been that way for me since like match day, I don't know, 10. I don't even, yeah, whatever. Like since, I think the day we beat Liverpool, right? For me, that was the day I was like, title races on. Oh, you know, since That then. was the day I was like, you know what? I believe that this team can really do it because that was a game where didn't matter how Liverpool were coming into it. It was a massive game. They had to come and get the three points. Liverpool under pressure that time. And we rose in that game, you know. So I remember being there watching that game. I was like, yeah, I can feel the energy. And yesterday, seeing Arsene Wenger come back, it's like, you know, he's given us his approval <laughs> of what's happening now. You know, the Godfather was back. Yeah, the Godfather you know, was back to just check everything's all right, guys. I'm with you here. Let's go. Exactly. Because he's been avoiding the Emirates, man, for four oh, years. The guy didn't want to come back. We've got to keep it real. He didn't want to come back. He saw Unai Emery coming in. He saw Miss Linta, as we were talking about. Obviously, he was linked to Liverpool a few weeks ago. Uh, Raul Sanye. He's seen all of these weird guys at Arsenal. The turmoil was like, you know what? 
Let me Wait, back guys. up. I don't want, yeah, I don't want this on my name. But finally, Arteta's been begging him since the day he's been coming back. I want Arsene to come back. I want him to come back. Finally comes back, meets Bukayo Saka and all these boys for the first time. So it's like, it's like you know, it's one of those ones. I think Arteta as a manager as well. You know, we talk about tactics and we talk about, oh, he's been influenced by Pep and Wenger and all of this sort of stuff. But really, he, I think he focuses on all of these little things a lot. Like he the does. atmosphere, the yeah. atmosphere of the, the fans, how they have to interact with the team and, and bringing back Wenger. He's not going to do anything, but just to be there, meet the player. I, it's, it's mad for a young manager, in my opinion, to even put pressure on himself like that. Like a lot of managers, would you want a figure like Wenger to come back and be like, yeah, yes, that's, a, that's a guy. Yeah, not me. That's the guy. But he wants it. He wants to embrace it. And you know what? Fair play to him. And yeah, it's been good watching Arsenal obviously come back. And the one thing, obviously, the World Cup, right? We love watching Messi and Mbappe and all the stars that play for the big countries. But we miss out on the older guards. You know, the guys that didn't qualify, but they've been giving us joy every single week. So, yeah, I was very happy to see, like, the guys we didn't really see. Even guys like who went to the World Cup, Martinetti, didn't really kick the ball, right? You know? So, yeah, I enjoyed the game, obviously. And the Premier League's back and the energy's back. The World Cup is nice vibes. We enjoyed it 100%. Everyday new team. That was my vibe during the World Cup. But yeah, the Premier League, man, there's nothing like it. We, we, we're we going to get into this, Captain Sal. Channel member says, if Arsenal get Mudrick, I believe they're in the title charge and have a good chance, not going to lie. We're going to talk about respective clubs' uh, transfer speculation, the story surrounding it. Uh, guys, before we continue, this show today is sponsored by, of course, our channel sponsors, Your FUT Card. Hopefully you guys can see that now. Yes, I've worked it out. Your go-to place for all FUT cards. Your go-to place for all banners. Look at these amazing banners. And your go-to place for all things flags. Flags, banners, FT, FUT cards. Get your own style made, your own background, your own skill levels. We already know mine's all about the 99s. You understand? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, this is the place to go to get your custom flag create a uh, app going get anything you want printed on there any size the prizes the, the the sizes are there and also they're doing some brilliant amazing prints as well that you can get made as well um and on top of that if you just type in uh red fellas you will get um 15 off all your items you really can't go wrong i believe uh, but if you want to go wrong then Ignore that, but I'm sure you want to go right, yeah? You don't want to go wrong, if you know what I mean. Um, Gian says smash the likes because everyone likes to be liked. Everyone likes to be liked. Come on. We ain't Man United out here. Come on, everyone likes to be liked. Man United are the only ones that don't like to be liked, they think, you know what I mean? But we like to be liked, so please, guys, there's over 200 of you guys in here already. Smash that like button before we get into it. Cav's in the building as well. Big up the panel. Big up yourself as well, Cav. Thank you very much. Guys... Only one place to start. I wonder Brentford, where that is. Tottenham. So, well, Boxing Day. Boxing Boxing Day starts with uh, quite a fixture. Um, it starts off with Brentford um, at home to to Spurs. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I thought this was on the cards. You look at the lineups, and I, I guess I'll start off with you, Michael. You look at these lineups, we know Brentford's a very, very tough away ground to go to, right? We already know. Everyone knows. We've suffered there. A lot of teams have suffered there. Apparently, they're only, uh, they've only been beaten once at home. Uh, 
I'm not hundred percent sure about that, but if someone if someone can confirm that for, for me, um, was this a surprise to you? I mean, at the end of the day, Spurs done well to come back from two 0 down, right? Yeah, no. First of all, Spurs can't keep getting away with this. It's like ten games in a row they've conceded first, and they've only lost like a couple of them. This is this is crazy football. But now, just looking from the lineups, Fraser Forster and goal—that's not a serious goalkeeper. I'm gonna be real. Um, Dyer was not doing well, but. Brentford, I know it. They beat us four 0 so I know how tough that ground is personally. Uh, Ivan Tony, actually, I didn't even I didn't know what was going on with him, but it was nice to see him play. He was amazing, but Brentford just took their foot off the gas. And that guy in the middle, Harry Kane, I criticized him for sixty minutes, and then he just popped up out of nowhere, scored a dumb header. Uh, but Kulusevski was for me amazing. He he's shown to me that like he is for me like Spurs. I know Harry Kane is like the big guy in that middle, but Kulusevski he is like that big threat. Like for ninety minutes, he'll be constant on that right and. They've been missing him a lot, so it was good to see him play because he's one of my favorite players to watch in the league from a neutral perspective. Yeah, Alex, um, Bilal was talking about players that really didn't feature at the World Cup, but they've been lighting up the Premier League since they've come to the Premier League, and Kulisevsky definitely comes into that category, doesn't he? Uh, a wonderful talent. Um, probably outshone Son this season so far. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially with some at the beginning of the season really off the boil. I think mm. Kulisevsky, he's he's so unique in the fact that he's like, he's a, he's almost got the body of a centre-back in how tall and stocky he is, but he can sort yeah. of glide across the pitch like a winger. So he's just got such an incredible like mix and almost like Kai Havertz as well and how he can weave past players. Tell you someone as well, complete opposite end for Tottenham, a, a player who's really fallen off. I was watching this game with an Arsenal fan um, and, and, and naturally they were disappointed when Brentford conceded and cheering when Brentford scored. But we were talking about Tanganga and how when he first came through, he was such a special, mm -hmm. well, not special, but like such a talent that everyone was like, wow, this guy could really, you know, be a good player for Tottenham, first academy player. And that game, I mean, subbed off 67 minutes in. He got, he was calamitous. He basically headbutted someone in the back or go for a header. He looked so ropey, which made you think, Kulazeski is someone who's really taking care of his career and Tanganga is someone who's just seeing it fall off. It, it, it's, it's, you look at that Spurs lineup and you think to yourself, this is why sometimes Conte goes mad in press conferences when he's asking for more players and more quality. Because Bilal, Look, at the end of the day, they did come back, and I get that. But really, is that lineup, is that lineup anywhere close to anything like of a title challenge or top two or three? Like they may finish up there. This could come back to haunt me. But mm. if you look at that squad, all right, a couple of players missing, not too many. I can't. Uh, who are we talking about missing? We're talking Lurice. about Sanchez, Romero, Lurice, Romero, Lurice. yeah, yeah. But not too many, right? It, it doesn't look too deep there. Their squad is just really weird, honestly. Because even during the window, right, we talked about them having a good window, getting Perisic in, with Suma in, who's been, to be fair, disappointing because he didn't even, for most part of this season, Conte didn't want to start him because he says he's not adapting to the tactics or whatever he's asking him to do. But really and truly, I think the full, uh, the wing-backs, rather, are an area of the pitch where I just think, why haven't they invested properly in that area. I know Jed Spence came in, right? And that was a Daniel Levy signing. He was he looked really good at, at Forest. Obviously, those games he played against Arsenal, obviously in the FA Cup, he looked amazing. And, and the playoffs and everything that happened with Forest when they came up, he looked great. But the left wing back position, I know Perisic, he's, he's Mr. Reliable. But really and truly, I feel like they haven't invested properly there. Their centre-backs are poor. 
And even when Lloris plays, he will give you a good game and he'll give you a bad... It's a bit... It's one of those ones. He, I'm not saying get out Larissa. That's not even the issue. The, the issue is that defence isn't really good enough. Obviously, when Romero comes in and... I don't even want to say Davinson Sanchez because he's a calamity defender as well. <laughs> but yeah, you know what I mean? So the, the defence is, is a problem. But the thing with Tottenham, they've got that attack that can get them out. And they they can always get those spells in games where there's 10, 20 minutes in a game where they can get two or three goals. They've got that quality. And when we talk about guys like Kulusevski, what a player. I hope somehow Juventus, you know, go under and we find out this is a shady deal to get him to Tottenham because that kid is so good. He is so good. I could see him at a Man City, to be honest, right? On that right wing, replacing the likes of Amaras in the future. That's how good and how high I rate him. Wow. But Harry Kane as well, obviously, that header he scored. And he's so annoying to play against, to be honest, right? The little things he does... The little wrestling moves, Kane pulls off, man, trying to get penalties, free kicks. He's just a smart operator. So, yeah, they've got that attack. And that's probably why, despite the football, despite them always going 2-0 down or 1-0 down, they might just end up getting top four just because of that quality they have. And, yeah, well, they're what... used to coming back at this point. Well, this is what HM says. He goes, Spurs need credit for mentality to come back from going down. Like what you said, Michael, you said it's not sustainable though, or, or, or you can't, it, it doesn't seem to be sustainable, but they're sustaining it. This is Conte ball. People that it's think true. that Conte is going to change the way he plays, how many years into his career now? I don't know, but whatever. You know, if people think that he's going to come to the Premier League and suddenly become this open, uh, progressive coach that's going to allow everyone to bomb forward, no, Conte doesn't do that. He relies on a very, very rigid system, and then he has three lightning quick technically sound or powerful runners up front. And he's got that. And obviously we didn't see the best of Son or Kane, but Kulisevsky definitely. Those three or whatever three they choose to pick up front is the key to is, is to Spurs getting any kind of results right in games. It's yeah, worth saying though. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, it's worth saying that um, talking about Spurs being sustainable, like non-sustainable, coming back from like coming back from defeat and trying to get back the points. It's worth saying it isn't sustainable because... Even though they didn't lose, they only got one point. And then we were, I was just looking at it off camera for everybody that uh, Arsenal went to Brentford and won three 0 So another team like a City or an Arsenal, they they will go to Brentford and they will get those three points, and they will go three points for other teams. Where Spurs, it is dramatic coming back from one nil, two nil down when they decide to start playing football in the second half. But I think it will end up costing them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not agreeing with this. They're not really in the mud, are they, Michael? They, they'll they'll, they'll be know. there or thereabouts. For me, it's not the system that's not sustainable. It's the players, the way that they're playing isn't sustainable. Like the wingbacks, like Bilal said, Daugherty, whether it's Daugherty, whether it's Emerson Royale, whether it's Jess Spence, we get to chance. I don't see the Conte system is built on the wingback. We saw it at Inter Milan. Hakimi was one of the best wingbacks, even on the left side when Perisic was playing there. That's the key. If they don't get something from that and the center backs, Romero, he could be a calamity at times. Like his head will go hot. Davin Sanchez, Eric Dyer. I think for me, he was good in the first half of the season because he was playing for that World Cup spot and he didn't get it. So I think you're going to see a little downslip from him. So I think from that aspect, it's not sustainable. But also, Huming Sun has been horrible this season. So eventually, he might hit that purple patch where he'll score like five, six goals in like three games. So who knows? There's a lot of there's a lot of eyes on players that were in the World Cup, isn't there? How they're going to react to the disappointment or some positive uh, performances in the World Cup. So the first round of games was always going to be wild, right? But we must... Look, I guess, let me bring up the game. We must give some credit to Brentford, man. Who who stood out for you, Bilal, in the Brentford team, man? Like, what's, like this team is doing bits, right? We can't just totally 
totally only speak about Spurs and and, and the issues they've got. Mm-hmm. This Brentford team keeps surprising us again and again and again. No yeah, really well, many household names, really. Mm-hmm. I know we've got to know them. Players mm-hmm. like Norgard are very highly thought of now. We know about Ivan Tony, of course. Mm-hmm. Even me, we know from Burnley, very solid, solid. But mm. he's doing a fantastic job, that coach, isn't it? Yeah, Thomas Frank, man, top, top coach. And I thought he was going to maybe wait and try to get the Danish national team job. But he signed that new deal now with Brentford, I think, till 2027. So it looks like he's going to stay there for a while. And I think that's good for the Premier League. You know, there's a few teams in this league I look at who are really well coached. And I put like Arsenal City, obviously, in that category. Your Newcastles. But then after that, for me, honestly, it's your Brentfords and your Brightons who are really punching above their weight. And players like Norgard, for me, right? So Mm -hmm. underrated. The way he wins the ball back, the way he times everything. He's so smart. And when we talk about, you know, maybe... I'm not sure how old he is. He must be in his mid-20s, right? Something like that. I'll just check here. Yeah, well, 28. So he's... Yeah, he's a bit maybe... On the on the older side, peak, of, of, no of, peak, peak, yeah, peak, peak, peak. Obviously, in this peak, but obviously, in terms of a transfer to a big team, it could still happen. But it's one of those ones at twenty eight. Sometimes the team will look at it and be like, "It depends on the price, really." It's all one of them. It depends on the price. So yeah, he's been really good, and of course, Norgard in, in that middle in there. You know, I was looking at the team before. I wasn't even familiar that much with these two guys, Zanka and I think you say Rosa Roeslev. Ro- you know, yeah. they've got these players, just these random Danish players that are just in the team. They know how to find these players. Obviously, they've got those connections there. But the quality, man, of Ivan Tony, right? What a striker he is. I hope, to be honest, right? I know he has problems off the pitch. We'll find out, I think, next week or in two weeks if he gets banned or whatever. Who knows? But really and truly, he's such a top striker. And any team, I think, in this league, apart from Tottenham, Man City, would be happy to have him. You know, yeah, that's how his good case. he is. If he busts his case, there's a spot waiting from Old Trafford. That's all. I'm this saying. is a, this is this is this is a this is massive, isn't it? This is this is a big thing around him, right? Um, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen, but these things don't end well, do they, Alex? But if let's just say things do end well, in your opinion, Ivan Tony, top six teams striker. How do you see Ivan Tony? Where, how how much do you rate him? Oh, a hundred million percent top six striker. I. I mean, it's hard to say you hope you won't get a big punishment next year, uh, ne- next week, whenever the betting ban comes down, because, I mean, we don't know the exact details of what, uh, what yeah. he did. He might have done something completely out of line, but mm-hmm. just on the pitch, why is he phenomenal? He's, he reminds me a bit of an old school Harry Kane in terms of he's not quite, you know, on the Kane level now of playmaking, but he's so good at rolling a defender. And I think it is really underrated how he brings players like Mbwemo and Rico Henry that a lot of people in the comments have shouted out. He brings them into the game by taking just a couple of touches from long balls and then spinning and getting into the box. So, yeah, I, I think if I was a Man United and Ivan Tony's, you know, Ooh. this has come out and it's not a, too much of a bad ban, yeah. I'd, Ivan Tony would be top of my list. Mm, he is. I mean, for me, I think he's the best penalty taker in in the world. Cold. I mean, I mean, he's a sensational penalty taker. And obviously, you don't buy him just because of penalties. Do you know what I mean? But but his all round game, I'm not gonna lie. I don't rate him as highly as maybe you guys or some of you guys. Um, I think he's. I think he's good. Um, but but. For me, the jury's out. But then that's just one person amongst billions and billions who do rate him. So, who would you say is better than him in this uh, in this league? Do you think? 
Because for me, apart from Haaland oh, like and Kane, you, I, I like number the way nine. you've done that. I like the way you've done that. Okay, I like the way you've done that. You want me to go like start thinking? Like you, you know, you know what I mean. You want me to start thinking? Yeah, you look, shut your mouth. You don't pay me for thinking, yeah, please. Yeah, I ain't <laughs> thinking for you. But good question. I'll come back to that. <laughs> but listen, um, we've we've spent way too long on Brentford and Spurs two two, but it was a banger of a game, no doubt. I guess the next game that we should look at is the Newcastle game because obviously all eyes are on Newcastle, man. What is going on? This team, this squad just won't go away. Potentially, potentially a little bit of a banana skin possibly at Leicester City coming into a bit of form. Michael, this Newcastle, it's like a, I don't know, describe, to me it's like a steam train. It's getting stronger, faster, quicker and it's looking to get to its destination quicker than we think yeah i mean first of all, i want to shout out eddie howe because this guy's done it 100. 12 months ago at this day newcastle were bottom in the league now they're second place until city play tomorrow we'll see what happens there but he's done a phenomenal job just looking at that lineup the signings obviously bruno gamarish i could wax lyrical about this guy all day we'll be here for five hours that's how much i love this guy as uh, van botman was a fantastic signing they got him for like 30 mil fantastic signing um chippier their captain now, he's been phenomenal. And Miguel Amaron, we were all wondering whether he'll continue that form that he was leaving on to the World Cup. He just came back, and that was a beautiful goal that he scored. And that Eddie, the way Eddie Howe has made this guy perform, like, they're not even missing St. Maximin right now. Like, he's wow. one of their... How many times did we talk about Newcastle being a one-man team, essentially, about all about St. Maxim, all about St. Maxim? If St. Maximin went there, we can't see where the creativity is going to come from, the pace is going to come from. This is a sign of a great coach, in my opinion where you take out the most talented players, quickest player in transition or even against a low block, and you're still able to continuously score two, three goals a game. At the same time, look at that defence. Alex, talk to me about those defenders, because Michael touched upon Botman. Yes, a signing, transfer, no problem. But the revitalising of Fabian Shaw, the, the, the under-the-radar signing of Dan Byrne from Brighton, this is... This is quality, quality recruitment and obviously coaching within Shah's case, right? Yeah, it's a really big, a really good mix of uh, recruitment and coaching. And it, I mean, it harkens back to something Bilal was talking about earlier in the stream with um, Arsenal and Arteta trying to get all the intangibles right, all the small things like bringing Wenger back. I think Newcastle, a big reason they've uh, experienced this growth is, you know, they spent a decade of, under Mike Ashley in the pits and... Since he's left, all the things have gone in the right direction, including the recruitment, including the coaching, but also the fan engagement is at probably the highest level in the 21st century. So I think everything's contributing to their rise. And But yeah, you're right to put on defence as well, like more specifically. Um, I, I think they... When you look at Newcastle, you'd expect them to sit quite deep, but they actually played quite a high line. I remember they when did. they played, they played yeah. Spurs off the pitch a couple... Well, couple of weeks couple of months ago now obviously no, a couple of weeks in Premier League terms but yeah they, they play such a high line that very well coached but Botman I mean we mentioned recruitment I do want to shout out Botman and Jim Reyes I think yes Eddie Howe is coaching superbly like you can see the patterns of play and the way they attack but I remember sitting in this seat a year ago saying Bruno Jim Reyes and Sven Botman are good enough to play for a Champions League team so it is almost criminal that Newcastle got these two in and like these were two of the best players easily in France so if they keep recruiting like that, then I think they're here to stay in the top six. I think top six for sure. I am top four. I was gonna say I'm I'm gonna pat myself on the back 
um, I didn't get much right in the World Cup, apart from the winners. <laughs> apart from the winners, but I didn't get much of the rest right. Well, I don't think no one got it because it was such a wild, wild, wild World Cup. We we all messed up with our predictions, whatever. Uh, I'm looking at you, Bidal. But but <laughs> but for the season, I definitely tip Newcastle to stress out the top four, like stress it out. Are you stressed out more than that, Bilal, in terms of, are you, because, all right, you've said you're, you guys are in a title challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, where, how are you seeing Newcastle? Surely a massive threat, or are you thinking, I don't know, tell me what you're thinking. It depends, because, well, Arsenal, next two games, Brighton, and then Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So, I think oh. those two games are going to be tasty. I think they're the very, actually, two on paper for me, like, difficult games for Arsenal. So, if they get through those, then even Newcastle will probably be thinking, Try to bend maybe that third place, but really and truly, when you guys talk about guys like Bruno Guimaraes, like this is the guy for me, man. Two times my team were linked with him when he was in Brazil for Atletico Paranaense, and then at Leon, I was like, yes, bring him in, bring him in. Doesn't come. But as soon as he went to Newcastle, I knew what time it was. This guy is an absolute joke of a player. And you see that goal? Was it the goal where he he does a roulette on the halfway line? turns one of the Leicester players, switches a ball across, and then a little, I think it did a one-two with Almiron and Almiron. Like, this goal was just an absolute joke. You know, we can sit here all day and praise Newcastle because you know what they play? They play proper, strong football. That's what I call it, it's strong football. 4-3-3, it's hard to play against, hard to break down, and when they attack, man, they attack for real. It's not a joke. And guys like Joe Linton now, you guys are talking about saying Maxim wow. being taken out of the team. Yo, can right? we spend can we spend five seconds or so on Joe Linton? The comeback that is Joe mm. Linton. I'm sorry, Joe Linton. I wasn't familiar with your game. <laughs> Unbelievable player. Unbelievable. I mean, I'm telling you now, I wrote him <laughs> off. No, I'm wrote him off. And I don't know if Blue Chip is in the building. Show your face if you're in the chat, Blue Chip. Shout out to Blue Chip because when Joe Linton was down. Right when mm. he was down, 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 injured, not in the team, people cussing him, saying, What kind of player, what kind of signing is this? He told me that this guy can play in midfield and he will be a beast in midfield. I don't know whether to credit Eddie Howe or Blue Chip. Because this guy, <laughs> That's a revolutionary this... shout. I'm not going to lie. Right, so to say that, that, is a re- <laughs> that is a revolutionary shout. I really didn't see it. I laughed at him. I was like, Come on, Joe Linton, what is this guy? And I'm humble. Football's a humbler. People already know this. Football is a humbler. And I'm humbled to say I wasn't familiar with his game. Joe Linton, people. Surely, surely one of the players of the season so far. Jokes aside, though, like, that, the most frightening thing about that Newcastle result, Sean Long stuff in there, Joe Willock and Lefford, Joe Linton and Chris Wood starting. That's not even their strongest 11. And they no. tore apart Leicester 3-0. That's a terrifying mm. thing. Yeah, yeah. We, ain't, we ain't seen Isaac in like three months. Oh, Wilson mm. gone as well. You know, like it's yeah, just wait, wait, hold on. Isaac Wilson saying Maximum missing, <laughs> missing right. And you know what? To be fair, I remember when Saint Maximum was playing, and I saw a lot of Newcastle fans as well saying they were not happy with him because he hogs the ball. You know, he'll run around clueless, no end product. So maybe the team has you know benefited despite his undoubted quality. Maybe they benefited him not being. They in the should team cash out. On, they should cash out on him. To be honest, I think they can yeah, get I think he's on the most. I think he's on like two hundred thousand or something at Newcastle already. So it might be difficult to try and find someone. He's still a good option to have anyway. They have got the money. They don't need to be selling. Tab bully no sniffing man. That tab bully will go spend that piece <laughs> on him. Don't worry about it. But, but, stop but look, everyone that's we, uh, anything, anything to say on the Leicester team? Just when we think the game is Please, let me start. Yeah, let me start. Okay, Leicester. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. I said this last year, right? Arsenal play yeah. Leicester the second time round. Norwich were in the league, right? I think Norwich were in the league last year. So yeah, yeah. I, I remember watching that game against Arsenal Leicester. I think it was 2-0 against the Emirates. I was like, Leicester the worst team I've seen this year. And it was only a 2-0 game. But they've progressively got worse ever since. Like, they are terrible. You know, like, they're like dead men walking, like zombies. I don't know what they're doing. They're so easy to cut open. It's like you're playing kids. I don't, honestly, I don't understand. I don't know what you guys, also, I'm going to let you guys... Because I could just slaughter them for like 30 minutes if you let me. Because I watch them <laughs> and I don't understand. Like, they're so easy to just bypass. It's like they're not a football team. Yeah, Do look, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I've been going to town on Leicester before. We play them next. So I'm going to keep quiet just for this week. Forgive me for just being quiet just this week. And then I'll go to town on them next week. But used to Michael and Alex, if you want to say what? something on Leicester City and Brendan Rodgers, the situation they find themselves in. After you, Michael? Yeah, last minute to get relegated. That team's pathetic. From yo, two minutes in, they gave a penalty. Um, or Marty, who if got if got any got names in the chat, they're gonna wax circle about him being crap at the sport. He's he's pathetic. I don't know why that guy's a center back. Buba Karsamari, uh, a lot of people were high on him. He was bad. There's no James Madison, obviously, but I just I don't like that team. J- Brendan Rodgers is I don't know how he survived this job. He needs to get sacked as well. But hey, man, I know Newcastle. We talk about their recruitment. If they could go get a James Madison. That'd be a perfect signing for them. They should be looking at that. But for Leicester, that'd they might a, get relegated. That'd be a perfect signing for whoever gets Madison. But for Leicester, that would be curtains, right, Alex? Uh, yeah, I think it would be. It's, in, it's interesting. Now, I do not rate Benjamin Rogers at all, but I've probably got the most positive outlook in this uh, on this panel. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I want. I watched. A Le- I went to watch Leicester's last game of um, the first half of the season live. I went to West Ham and saw it. Um, and they, they completely played them off the park for about 50% of the game, but that 50% was the first and last 25 minutes. Um, when West Ham kind of, I think they brought on Nayef Igyed, a shout out to the Moroccan, um, he was able to play it off the back. They they just got cut open like butter. Um, I, but the thing is, I've spoken to a lot of their fans recently, and they think they're going to have a strong second half of the season, so I've got to go and join Grizz here and say, jury's out for now, for me. But um, yeah, it, look, I've got a grim so- outlook. Yeah, look, I had a grim outlook at the start of the season. Um, shout out to Leicester Fan TV. I'm actually doing a preview on their channel. Make sure you can check it out tomorrow. Um, I, I told the guys that, look, I don't want to be, you know, I, I just think you're going to struggle. I genuinely think you're going to struggle throughout the season. I think he didn't get backing in this of, of the board. They didn't have no money because they didn't manage to sell any of their big stars, i.e. Madison stayed, Tillerman stayed, you know, you know, I think they brought in um, that that centre back, Belgium centre back, phase. Yeah. You know, I'll supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then they obviously picked up a few injuries. They've been picking up injuries, but yeah, I agree with you guys. I think Leicester will put up the fight of fights against Liverpool next week, uh, but then after that, they'll they'll come tumbling down. Um, but Newcastle, strength to strength, guys. Um, obviously linked with in terms of transfers. Have you guys read anything that I haven't read? Uh, we know that they're able to spend anything on anyone. There's murmurings but, about Enzo, but I don't think it's real. But there's murmurings yeah. about Yeah, that. yeah. I don't think I don't think uh Enzo will choose. If they get Enzo and Bruno G to rap for the league, that's the that's one of the nastiest midfields this league has ever seen in a good way. Uh-huh. It's a rap. It's a, it's a rap. Well, no, because they've still got you know, no, 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 that's a wrap. Michael Wood up front. Is... Come on. You still need, you know. Uh, you, you, you could have me up front. That midfield is too good. Uh, but yeah, listen, um, here's what it is. 
Uh, guys, smash up some likes, man. There's so many of you in here. Like, we're blessed with your support and, and, and love. But the likes are like, why are you like tight with the likes? Um, I guess just very briefly, we've done the Liverpool game. Very briefly on the Liverpool game, because it will segue into the chat. Because uh, uh, as we're in the sort of middle of the show, uh, we can very briefly talk about the game. I was at the game. I thought it was a much better Liverpool performance. Still not perfect. Um but I just quickly wanted to get your views on one guy and one guy only. And you guys know I'm going to ask about, right? Because I've done the Liverpool show. We've done it yesterday. We covered extensively. And so Liverpool, probably people in the chat are bored of Liverpool fans' opinion on Nunes. Bilal, maybe start with you and then Alex and then Michael. Just give us your opinions on Nunes, what you think. Ultimately, basically, what is he? I'm confused. That's all I have to say when I watch it. I don't know anymore. You know, I'm watching him play and I'm like, bro, I can't explain some of the things he's doing. Okay, his energy is great. He he runs up and down the pitch. He stretches defences 100%. But I've never seen such finishing in my life. I don't know what to say. Honestly, I'm watching him. I'm like, I thought, okay, if there's any manager in this league who can make Nunes bang, it's definitely Klopp. And you know what? That game yesterday, right? was the perfect example of like maybe how to use him because it was a chaotic game. Some of the long balls, there's one moment where Chamberlain gets it, right? I'm pretty sure he doesn't even look up. The guy just hoofs it up the pitch. Nunes is charging in on goal. And yeah, the finish wasn't great in the end. But it's just so... We use the word chaotic. The, the truth is, technically, he's just not that good. I'm watching him play, right? And I'm like, he's got the determination, 100%. He's got the, not, the endeavour, the work rate, but it's like he doesn't even believe in himself a little bit as well. Because obviously straight away in, in, in the beginning of the game, there was that chance, right, where he could have shot, lets it just go, like dummies it pretty much. And I think he wanted Salah to, to shoot, right? There's a lot of times where I'm looking at him, maybe just lacking belief now, lacking confidence, which is normal. And when we get into the Gakpo chat, I think it's very good now that Gakpo is actually going to come in. Because these injuries that have happened to Liverpool, right, have put too much pressure on him, I think. I think the pressure that wasn't meant to be on him, Jota, Diaz, Salah... Firmino, all these guys were meant to really be the main men. And he just comes in as this young guy from Benfica. Okay, can you get me 10, 15 goals if you are if you can? Cool. But now Gakpo coming in might reduce that pressure a little bit. And you might see a more free Darwin Nunes, you know, for the next few months. But honestly, I'm just confused watching him play. Because finishing-wise, I'm looking at my guy who Arsenal fans were slating, Eddie Nketiah. I'm like, bro, I'd rather have Nketiah, man. I'm not going to lie. Nunes... You're confusing me, bro. You're confusing me. That's what I I've, 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 obviously, I've, I've vowed to stop, and I won't respond. I'm not gonna bite. It's all about your opinions today. Like I said, my piece on him yesterday, good and bad. Don't get, don't get twisted. I didn't just totally sort of kill him, and I totally didn't praise him sort of through rose-tinted glasses. But it's just interesting, and I wanted my audience, which is probably mostly Liverpool fans, but I know I've got a variety of many other clubs fans, and we love you and respect you all. I just wanted to get everyone else's opinion on it. I'm not going to respond to any of your points. I agreed with many of them. I disagreed with some of them. Alex, you're next, sir. The, the yeah. enigma that is Darwin Nunes. Yeah. Um, he is a tricky one. And, right, he's also a bit of a meme online, and that must be mounting on him. I think it's underplayed how much social media affects footballers today. I think Mason Mount's a good, a good example. Harry Maguire's a good example. And Timo Werner's a good example. I think shares a lot of similarities with Darwin Nunes in terms of, I think both players uh, have come to the league, and when Werner's case came to the league, 
struggled a little bit at first and it's just kind of a mountain of lack of confidence and listen it is hard of him as well because if the way he plays he's so hard working he does everything right up until the finish at the moment that inevitably creates jokes like you can't I'm not going to sit here and pretend I didn't laugh at the one when you played Tottenham and someone said Darwin Nunes is playing Emerson Royale I'm not sure what's going on don't think they know either it's a work of art that was funny but I think Bilal's actually kind of outlined it pretty well. When Liverpool signed Darwin Nunes, there was a bit of a collective, hmm, you signed a talented player here. No one's denying that. But a lot of people who watched Benfica, a lot of people, uh, I managed to catch him quite a bit last season, said, this guy isn't the finished package yet. He probably shouldn't be starting. And Bilal actually outlined it really well. Liverpool had a lot of injuries. And I don't think Nunes was meant to play this many games. And my personal belief right now, and I don't think it will change. I'm going to try and make sure it doesn't change for a couple of months. Is he will turn into a really good striker. He just lacks a lot of confidence. Like that moment that's really sticking out to me was when you played Manchester City last week, Chris, and uh, Nunes got the ball kind of inside and he looked for a pass that was never gone. That carried on looking and looking and looking until we finally kind of realised it was too late and had to shoot. It looked like he never wanted to shoot there. That's him at the moment. I believe as he gets more of rest and he adapts more to the league and gets his confidence back, then that side of Nunes will dissipate. It's just the only worry is after watching Timo Werner arrive to the league as a genuinely good footballer and miss so many chances that it kind of turned him into one that almost permanently lost his confidence. I've watched him at Leipzig so far. He's not the same man anymore. There is that small worry that will grow in the back of your head. And I don't mean to blunt at you back at Liverpool fans that the longer this goes on, you know, how long will recovery time be for Darwin Nunes? I think a slightly more... It's a more positive outlook. It's a more positive outlook. Well, I say fair assessment. But anyway, I think I've, I know where I'm going with this one. So, Michael, it's over to you. Man, Man United fan. Michael, uh, just in case people didn't know. Darwin Nunes. Um, I, I really like Alex's um, point with uh, Timo Werner. I've been comparing them for like the last week. And I think Timo Werner is actually a better uh, footballer in terms of, I think Timo Werner is better like passing wise. He had like better link play than uh, Darwin Nunez, but Darwin Nunez is a much better finisher. I mean, we saw the guy, the reason you guys signed him was because you saw the way he finished against you in the Champions League. He was elite at it. He scored past Allison three times, which is a very rare thing to do. Um, but I think the confidence, because like we've seen like the City game, for example, he had the same exact opportunity four times. And he hit it wide to the same exact spot four times. And yesterday, he just kept, like he's not being himself. Like usually with Nunes, he just like slaps it top bins like full power. And he's like trying to side net it. It's very confusing, but he's an elite outlet. Like his movement is fantastic. Your Guine heritage and everything. But the confidence thing will get to it. I think the pressure is because he's a, he was he was a very expensive. He wasn't like a cheap player. Um, do I think he'll come good potentially? I'm not gonna bet against Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp knows how to get G out of all his forwards. Like he loves the GA machines. Um, he just signed one with Gakpo, but I think I think Bilal said that the Gakpo thing will be nice because Gakpo is a very good playmaker and he's a very good cross of the ball. So Nunez is a very good header of the ball. So I think he'll come better. Um, this isn't like the Nunez that we'll see for the rest of the time, but I think he needs maybe a rest or something, just like a quick um, what's it called? Like I said with Rashford, just like a retreat, clear your head, and get back to it. Mm-hmm. Better than I thought. Better than I thought. Michael was far more kinder than I thought. But look, I agree with you guys. I, I see the frustrations. And and, as, and I've always said, looking from the outside, I can imagine 
Because of football tribalism, I can imagine people waiting to jump on his neck every time he misses a chance because that's the way it works, social media and et cetera. But uh, I'm just going to go through very few, uh, quickly go through a few comments. New channel member, shout out Scott Willig. Thank you very much for becoming a channel member. Nunes is world-class at positional sense and has dazzling speed but horrible feet and makes worse decisions on the field than I do. There you go. Quite the first comment for a channel member. Um, Umzizi says, Darwin ain't a Liverpool striker. He reminds me of Cavani. Yeah, Cavani was a Man United striker. Let's not just back Cavani with that. Yeah. Sam says, Nunes may need a game like Leicester, to be honest. Wouldn't be surprised if he bags a hat-trick. Uh, someone comes back says, Cavani's awesome. What are you talking about? Uh, Leighton says, Nunes' record is already better than Werner's. Um, he, said, he then he reminds us, goal and assist every 90 minutes is pretty good already. Uh, Pixelade Pigeon, who's usually probably one of my most sensible and more rational says Nunes only played a year or so top flight Portuguese football before being picked up by Liverpool before that second division only he's the definition of raw lots of development to come I think that's the best way to end it um, because I, that's the one I agree yo Scott I know you're a new channel member big up yourself man really appreciate the support but come on he's not a fun, now, people in the chat maybe not you, you guys are too young for Niall Quinn yeah, let me tell you Niall Quinn was so underrated for his size he was the original quick feet for a big man. Like he was six foot five or something, lanky. Peter Crouch, but a bit more built than Peter Crouch. And Arsenal fans, Niall Kuhn is underrated, man. He was technically very good. I don't think the biggest problem with Nunes is technically not great. But I tell you why. I saw him yesterday in Live and Flesh for the second mm -hmm. time only. First time he came on as sub and, 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 and tormented. I can't remember who it was now. Oh, my mind's gone blank. But yesterday, the full 90 minutes. Guys, ask Konza and Mings what they think of Nunes. I'm telling you, centre-backs hate playing against someone like this. He didn't stop. And every time he missed, you think striker's going to go in their shell and lack confidence and don't make the run. He was making run after run after run. He's a menace. He's not, he's not showing his full repertoire yet, but I think he will come good. And I, and I think we all agreed to a certain point that he will come good. It's just... How long will it take him to get to that level? Because of the price tag, because of social media, because of the builder. I say, I say, deactivate all social media, my brother. Please reach out to me. What's that essential. He needs to listen. Even, hey. even I remember the Odegaard last year said he doesn't do social media. He did deactivate all of that. Smart guy. Smart guy. I, th I actually think it should be like footballers really need to do. As um, Michael just mentioned, Sancho as well. It's clear, like it pays a. Like, imagine you go home after a game, you go on social media, you just see yourself trending, and it is just memes. Like, Darwin Nunes, as you can outline, like, he's got an incredible mentality to keep running, but that must grate on him, even a little bit. Yeah, which is why I don't like that. They gave him man of the match yesterday. They gave him man of the match yesterday. I didn't like that. The, mm -hmm. like the, the TV, like, on, on TV, he got man of the match. I don't like that he got man of the match. I feel I like that, just, feed, like that just feeds more hate on him because obviously he wasn't man of the match yesterday. Oh, did they give him man of the match? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I didn't even know. But they were, yeah. you know what? The commentators were loving him even when I was watching because that third goal, uh, was how do you say his, that kid's name? Bajitic? Oh, that's how you say his name, right? Bajitic, yeah. When Nunes just made that run and, you know, he did all of that, the way the commentators are hyping him. So he's got people who believe in him, you know? At the very least, he's got fans, you know? It's not all haters. It's not all bad for him. But you know, one thing I said, I saw the comments, man. They're trying to pull me up. Who would you rather have? Like, who do, No, who do you think is a better finisher? Enketia or Nunes? Because I watch Enketia and I think the kids are... And I'm not saying Nunes 
might not be a better striker than him in the future, or they're not. I don't know how people rate these two. You know, in general, I think Enkete is a better finisher, but Nunes is a better ball striker. I can yeah. safely say Nunes' numbers will be triple than Kentia's by the end of the season. I think because of your Liverpool, because of the Liverpool injuries. Because I'm thinking now, I'm looking at Liverpool's attacking options, which is crazy now. Maybe talk about. Gakko I'm. I'm already, okay. Okay. Check this one. I'm ready to go one step further. I think over his mm. career, by the end of the career, Nunes' uh, statistics will be triple Eddie Kentia's. But it is what it is, your opinion. I'm not going to fight you for your opinion. Your I don't opinion. know. If, if Enketia is always like, you know, second choice at Arsenal and then Nunes is playing every day at Liverpool, then of course... Enketia needs, needs, needs to go Brighton. He needs, he needs to face... He when, Jota, when, Jota and Diaz, when, when Jota and Diaz come back, Nunes is not going to be playing every game, so we can still assess it then. But listen, we must move on because, you know, we can... It's a, it's a topic of debate. Nunes, 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 and all the hype and hate around him and trolling. It is what it is. He's expected to. He's a big-name player, big price, young man. He's come to a foreign country. You're going to get pros and cons. Anyway, as you said, Bilal, segue brilliantly into the into the, the Gakbal chat. Alex, I wanted to get, again, your guys' opinion. This is what the beauty of today's show is. It's not going to be about Liverpool fans talking about Gakpo. It's going to be three neutral parties talking about Cody Gakpo. Um, I'm just going to give you a very quick overview of what I thought of Gakpo and why people may come for me in the chat. When uh, Man United were very strongly linked with Gakpo, I was shitting on him, basically. The proverbial shitting on him. Now, I didn't say he's bad and I didn't say he's awful. But at the time, there were 60 to 70 million prices quoted. And I said, he's not worth 60, yeah. 70 million. But trust me. And I was asked, shout out to Saeed, my friend from the Big Six. He said, so how much is he worth? I said, 30 to 40 million. I'll take him for 30 to 40 million. He's got great technique. I don't think he does enough. He reminds me, just me, guys. He just reminds me of Ryan Babel. I bring back Ryan Babel. Ryan Babel was technically mad. Ryan Babel had a fantastic shot. Ryan Babel didn't do enough. And I just, I put Cody Gakpo in this situation. I think he's technically very good. That's what I'm going to say on Cody Gakpo. It's over to you three. Alex, take it away on your views on Cody Gakpo. And, and, and where do you think, what's his strongest position? Eventually, I want you to answer when you get into your sort of thoughts on him. Absolutely. Well, for anyone who has somehow missed yesterday's show or is a bit, you know, out of date with uh, Gakpo's details, I'll give you a very, very brief overview. He's a 23-year-old. He'll be coming to Liverpool after hitting 21 goals and assists this season in the league in 14 games, which is absolutely astonishing. And that is a record he kind of held up last season as well. Wasn't quite over a goal and assist a game, but it was pretty close to it. Um, he's come through at PSV. He grew up in, uh, he, he grew up in the city. He came through the academy. So he's been cultured there and he's been recently coached by Roger Schmidt, who's now at Benfica wow. and uh, under Ruvan Nistelrooy at the moment. Um, yeah, he was linked to Manchester United and I held some concerns over that. And I really like the move to Liverpool a bit more. Uh, I think he'll be fitting in at the explain, left wing. Explain that. Oh, explain yeah. that. So, so, so basically you wasn't overly enthused with his move to... And by the way, guys, Alex, aka your expert, is totally neutral. He has no dog in this race. Uh, he doesn't support Man United, he doesn't support Liverpool, he doesn't support Premier League team. So therefore, he's giving his opinion based on what he thought Gakpo's attributes are, right? Mm -hmm. Well, let's go straight into it. Gakpo is six foot two. And in my opinion, I think this means he's been incredibly misprofiled. Lots of Man United fans thought they would sign him to play up front. He did play up front for the Netherlands in a two. Now, 
He has come out and said in the past, uh, I've been following for the last couple of years, he's come out and said in the past, I don't like playing with my back to goal. I like to play facing it. Memphis Depay in the World Cup came out and said, I don't like Van Hal playing me alongside Gakpo. I prefer playing alongside Burbine. He can hold the ball up better. At Manchester United, if he had moved there, he would have either had to compete with Sancho, Rashford and Garnacho on the left wing or been converted into a striker, which is what basically every Eredivisie fan says is not right for him. So this is a big reason why I prefer the move to Liverpool because he will be playing off the left wing. And really, to summarise, he is not a striker. If he wasn't six foot two, we wouldn't be having this conversation because as you've outlined, Grizz, technically he is superb and he's much more of a creator. To give a little bit more history, the position he's played has been left wing on a 4-2-3-1-4-3-3. But crucially, a couple of seasons ago, when Roger Schmidt first moved to PSV. He'd come from China. He's a big high-pressing coach. Plays a four triple two. Gakko was playing sort of a inside ten, right? Playing in that left half space, which is in between the centre of the pitch and the left wing. So he's playing in that area, and his role isn't just to score goals. He's a very creative player. He takes corners. Well, the last time you saw a striker take corners was Harry Kane for against Iceland. That went well, didn't it? Um, I'm very passionate on this topic. So <laughs> I can, I can see <laughs> to to. Let the other guys speak as well. We can go back to me, of course. But yeah, I think for Liverpool, Gakpo sign- signing Gakpo is a really smart, intelligent move. And I actually disagree a bit with Grizz. I think he's going to arrive in the league technically more complete than Nunes. And while the ceiling, in my opinion, isn't as high as Darwin Nunes, I do think he'll be a 10 to 20 goal assist season player. And I think he'll be arriving pretty ready. Hopefully he adapts well. And you're getting a player who we not only driving on the inside and completing 1.9 dribbles per nine, which is the third best in the league, but also someone will be playing really cute crosses to the back post, really nice passes in between defenders and an all-round menace just in a different way to Nunes. Mm. Um, quite a few comments coming in and a lot of agreeing with you. Um, and, I, and I actually agree with a lot of what you've said as well. Listening to the way um, Alex has profiled him, Bilal and Michael, I want to pitch it to you in case he was linked with your team. I know he was with Michael. Michael, huge loss. How do you see him? Um, I'm, I'm a real. I celebrated when you guys signed him. I didn't want him at all. I, I just like Alex. Pretty much said it. We have Marcus Rashford. And I think Marcus Rashford is a better player than Cody Gak. But I'm gonna be honest. I think Rashford, in terms of that left wing spot, I'd rather have Marcus Rashford because he's much quicker and I think he's a better dribbler. I think Gak was a better finisher as he's shown in the World Cup where he scored three for three and everything. But I don't want him at, at the striker. I don't think he would have been a better striker for us than Anthony Martial. I think Martial's back to goal game is superbly better. It's not even not even a debate. Like Alex said, Ten Hag's system and the nine. Ten Hag said himself, he wants a striker that will link play and be able to play with the back to goal, which is why I never understood why Ten Hag really wanted him. So I do think the Liverpool, like taking my main United like uh, by itself, I do think he's a really good signing for Liverpool. He'll probably have to fight Trent for the corners though. That, that is one thing he have to do. But and I also don't like a six foot two guy taking corners. I, that, that's really weird to me. But he's really good at taking them. So fair enough. If you're elite at taking them, might as well take them. But I think like Alex said, the crosses to Mo Salah at the back post, him cutting inside while Andy Robertson's over like overlapping on the left. It's it's a match made in heaven for Gakpo. Gakpo is a perfect clock player, which is why Liverpool went and got him. They saw the scouting is elite and they they saw him. So I think for Liverpool, he was a good thing. And for Man United, I'm glad we didn't sign him. And we'll go for that traditional nine, hopefully. We're pretty broke, so I don't know if we will do that. But a draw Felix will be perfect or other options that Man United won't consider. But I do think it was a really good signing for Liverpool and Man United. I know United fans are mad that 
I don't, it was a rival fan that stole him from us, so I get why they're mad, but it's a blessing in disguise for this one time that Liverpool hijacked look, the move. Look, guys, before you give the... See, the thing is, right, the hypocrisy in the comments. You're saying Mike was giving a typical United response. You guys are giving a typical response to a, a response that he hasn't written off the player. He just thinks that he's more suited to Liverpool. Alex thinks he's more suited to Liverpool. Michael thinks he's more suited to Liverpool. <clears throat> The more I thought about it was I agreed with these guys. I didn't think he suited Man United. Hence, I was saying I hope Man United get him. Do you see the story evolving? We all agreed. So you can't call him biased because then you'll be calling me biased. This my channel. I'll block you. No, I'm joking. I won't block you. But, but, but you see where I'm going with this. So I agree with Michael's assessment. I think he's more suited to Liverpool than United. Alex agrees doesn't mean the player's bad. It's all about systems. It's all about teammates, how the coach sees you and what kind of profile the, the team needs. For you, Bilal, though, this is an interesting one. I want to get your take on it for an Arsenal point of view because mm. I don't know how you... Th what, what do you think about this? Because don't go mad on me here, people. Don't go mad on me here. He's. I think he's got the traits of an Arsenal player as well in terms of his technical ability... Um, the way he strikes, the way he scores is efficient. Mm -hmm. And this Arsenal team has really impressed me in terms of efficiency. After, since It's been a long, long time since you've um, uh, impressed me efficiency-wise. What's your thoughts on Gakpo? And, and would you have taken him at Arsenal? Well, actually, Gakpo was linked to Arsenal like two years ago. Like two years ago, 18 months ago, I remember I was like following him a little bit, thinking, okay, maybe he looks like a player that could have come because obviously the price tag, which I was surprised now Liverpool got him for this price after a World Cup is just sensational business. 30 million at the time, they were saying. I think Leeds in the summer, they were saying 30 million as well. So yeah, for Liverpool to get him for 37 million now with a bit of add-ons, if they're obviously reached, I think that's just incredible business in January. But as a player for Arsenal right now, Maybe a year ago, it could have made sense, right? With the way Arsenal were playing. But the way Arsenal have kind of evolved recently with uh, Martinelli's and the Sackers and how wide they actually play a lot of the game. They are the ones who bring width to the team. With Gakpo, right, I don't see... He can't really create separation the way a Martinelli does or a Saka does. So I don't see how he would fit in the team unless he played through the middle. And I know that's a position where he might not be good at because of his link-up play. It's not something he really likes to do. But what he can do is... When he can manage to find a bit of space and cut inside, obviously, from the left where he prefers, his shooting technique is incredible. He's, I can see him scoring really like beautiful goals for Liverpool, just absolute rockets. He's got that in his locker. And also now, the height of him as well. This is another thing, right? Nunes, how tall is he? Gakpo, Kunate. So, uh, so apparently, so apparently, uh, well, Nunes is six two. Apparently, Alex six four. Cody, uh, Cody Gakpo six four, not six. I think that needs to. Yeah, I saw the chat saying that it's a big disputed topic. Um, okay. It depends on the site you go to. I, I'd say from looking at many images <laughs> this morning, trying to make sure, I'd say a max six three at maximum. I don't think he's six okay. four. Interesting. But he's tall. He's Dutch. He's tall. And yeah, there's That's a number know. of it. It's a couple yeah. of inches in it. Yeah. When he stands next to when he stands next to Virgil, we'll have a, a rough That's idea true. of how big he really is. Yeah, honestly. But yeah, I honestly think now, though, obviously for the next few months until Diaz comes back. Uh, this is going to be interesting actually. When Diaz comes back and you have Diaz and Gakpo as options on the on that left side, it's going to be good for Liverpool because they're different players. I think they totally offer different. Two, yeah, Absolutely. two different things. So now Liverpool are going to have two different weapons during the games, during different uh, matches where they feel like okay, today maybe Gakpo, another day Diaz to stretch a team and cause havoc. It's going to be really good on that front. But I think for the next few months, right, 
the fullbacks of Liverpool, Trent, Robertson, they're going to be heavily, you know, rely- the, the importance on them is going to be greater than ever, in my opinion. Because if you've got Salah, Nunes and Gakpo, all of these guys are going to come really central, obviously. They're going to want to come inside. They're going to want to cause havoc in and around the box. Obviously, Salah can probably offer way more than the other two out wide and tracking back and all this sort of stuff. But those three in particular, they want to score goals. They're basically free strikers when you think about it, right? So the mid- Liverpool midfield, the Liverpool fullbacks in particular are going to have to be working overtime now to create chances. And you're going to start playing. I think the game against Villa is just a perfect way Liverpool games are going to be like every game. I think it's going to be chaos, end-to-end, direct, fast, scoring goals, set pieces, all of this sort of stuff, right? I think Liverpool are going to have to play with so much energy now as well just to accommodate having those sort of free up front but you know what rock and roll football is, is what Jurgen Klopp loves so I think yeah it could be a good signing and for 37 million man when everyone's fit as well and you've got that option Liverpool's attack and bench is going to start looking scary again uh, I want to ask Patrick something before I, before let me read the super chat before sorry I go to Alex uh, Arsenal fan Patrick appreciate the love and support he goes Arsenal fan but Gakpo centre forward is going to be scary and winner Paul wanted to ask you Alex could Gakpo and Nunes work together in that case? Uh, I, yes, I do think they would be a really good match together. As I've outlined, Gakpo is as creative as he is much of a goal-scoring threat. And it, one of his, the way he gets a lot of assists, particularly this season, has been, I kind of outlined it earlier, hovering around the corner of the box and doing this really delicate chip to a back post. And I think Nunes, while he's a a bit left side bias, right? Because he's right footed. Yeah. I think he will eat off of those crosses. And something I wanted to mention about Gakpo as well, and so much I wanted to mention that I can't fit, couldn't fit all this one ramp, but something that's not been talked about too much, he's incredibly, he's very two footed. It's something that's mm-hmm. not been spoken much about, but in like it's all mainstream coverage. But I was looking at his goal stats earlier. Uh, he's got over the last two seasons, sort of eight goals off his left foot and then like oh, 19 wow. off. Eight and then 19 off his right, which obviously, you know, big imbalance there, but for a left winger, that's actually pretty even. So mm-hmm. what you might see for Liverpool is someone who's not just, not like Ziyech vibes, where if he's not on his left foot, then he's useless. Gakpo mm-hmm. is someone, of, okay, if you're shutting down the inside, he's more than comfortable to try and power through on his left and shoot or cross across goal. See, the thing is, right, if you, if you think about it, everything that you guys have said points to a a variety of option, right? We've got option of Gakpo now in, in the in, in the attack. He's going to play off the left, but it's nothing like our current players there. Um, Luis Diaz likes the ball to his feet. Luis Diaz loves playing with a with back to his goal, full of tricks. Wants to turn, confront the player one on one. Gakpo's not about that life. Gakpo's not the type to do tricks and go past the player. Gakpo's all about. As, as Alex said, drifting in in that, making half a yard for a shot, and he's got one of the cleanest strikes that I've seen around Europe. He's a fantastic striker of the ball. Fantastic striker of the ball. So I think it's a total different way of playing like Diaz. Jota, again, is completely different. Would you say, guy Alex, would you say he's, he's, a, he's a guy that likes running in behind? Is he quick? What's his pace like? Yeah, that's something else as well. I think kind of gets lost because of how tall he is. He is very quick. I wouldn't say he's like, you know close to a Kylian Mbappe sort of standard or a few are, but he would outpace, I'd say, most Premier League centre-backs quite, cle- quite clearly. Mm, interesting, because that will only help. 
we've already got a quick attack, as people know. Um, I like the height issue thing as well, you guys have raised. So we're talking Nunes, six foot two. We're talking Gakpo, six foot four. We're talking Van Dyke, Konate, Fabinho, Henderson. Mm -hmm. We're talking set pieces, you know, and we know <laughs> set pieces are important. Sometimes when you can't break low block teams, set pieces, you know, like yesterday proved, you know, against Aston Villa. Uh, we must talk. Someone asked earlier, uh, is it in the title? Did we say, uh, did, he said, am I seeing things or have we seen Ars uh, Newcastle in a title race? I can't remember where that comment is, man. But, but there's a question mark there. So it is. It's a yeah. question now. You have to be serious, man. Well, this is it. I want to talk about I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it, guys. Um, Arsenal playing the evening kickoff. He, they've seen Liverpool win. They've seen uh, Spurs drop points. They've seen Newcastle win. Arsenal go behind at home to West Ham. We think, are the wheels finally coming off? But Bilal, talk. <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, watching Arsenal right now, and uh, it's just a joy to watch, even at 1-0 down. It's mad. I'm not concerned. I'm not going to lie. People are going to say, stay humble. No, it's not even a it's not a thing about being humble, I don't think. I think it's just like the confidence I have watching this team because I know they're not going to panic, you know, when they go 1-0 down. I know they're going to keep on doing the same things. They're going to keep on working the ball. They're going to keep on pressing high. They're going to keep on taking up that them, those same positions. And West Ham in the end just couldn't cope with it. Big up West Ham in the first half. They tried. They sat deep. They got that penalty. They got their goal. But really and truly, before the penalty, after the penalty, that was Arsenal's game. And second half, I think Arsenal just turned up the screw a little bit. They said, OK, first half, we couldn't get that goal. And yeah, I was, to be honest, quite comfortable going in 1-0 down at half time. I was sitting there thinking, I believe this team's going to come back because I've seen it this season where they even got some games against like Fulham. I believe you go 1-0 down that game, 2-1 in the end, especially at home. You know, when you're playing teams like West Ham, Arsenal, you always fancy them. But it's not because of that. It's because of the football. It's because of the way the team are playing. It's because of the belief in the ideas, you know, that they've been doing week in, week out, executing everything that they're doing from the defence. Guys like Ben White, man, it's time. Guys, I was telling you guys, we did a show like a few months ago, right? And we did like a best team. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers. We did like a best team of the first few weeks, I think, of, you know, European football in general. I put Ben White in my team at that time. And I told you guys in six months' time, you guys are laughing now, you won't be laughing then. Because this guy is absolutely a Rolls-Royce player. He's ridiculous. He's so calm, so collected. And I think it was, you know, it was a shame for England that obviously he had to leave in the end because I thought he would have offered something really nice there. And obviously guys like Odegaard were amazing, controlling the game, party, Shaka. You know, at the end of the day, he's like the most advanced midfielder, which is something interesting to see. I think next season or in the summer, someone, I'd imagine Arsenal will probably sign another player to play in that position. But right now, Shaq has been doing everything perfectly, man. He's become like the leader in the team. Martinelli, Saka, as I said a minute ago, high and wide. I think the only issue I had yesterday, right, was Kieran Tierney, unfortunately. You know, he wasn't awful, but it's one of those ones when Zinchenko is not in that position playing inverted and controlling the game completely, you can see the difference. When Zinchenko came on, you can see the little things that he was doing, the passing, the control, the tempo that he was creating with the team. But overall, it was a good performance by Arsenal. And of course, Nketiah got his goal as well. So he showed, listen, last season, everyone was doubting him. He stepped up, fair play to him, big games. And this time around, I think he's going to step up again. I said it 
Oh, I don't know, a while ago, I said, listen, if you give Enketia the same amount of games as Jesus through the middle, middle, I'm telling you now, Enketia will score more goals. And I'm not saying it because Enketia is a better player than Jesus. He's not. But in terms of scoring goals, I believe he'd score a lot of goals for Arsenal because of the chances he can get his movement and his finishing, which I think is criminally, criminally underrated as well. So, yeah, big up Arsenal. Happy with the result, happy with the performance. And West Ham, I think they've got a few things, you know, to talk about I don't know if you guys want to discuss them about Rice mm. and Paqueta watching him play to be honest right I'm, I feel sad for him like some of the things I've seen him do but yeah I don't know what you guys think about you know that game as well we we will just very quickly on, on Gakpo sorry I missed the super chat so I didn't want to go back to it because it's irrelevant Gandhar, I appreciate the support. He says, one more thing about Gakpo. He was the captain of PSV, so the leadership skills are also beneficial, especially since he's only 23. Um, Alex has, 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 has told me in the private chat, but he also struggled with the burden of being captain. Right, Alex? Uh, yeah, he did. There was report, and he came out and said in a quote, look, early parts of last season, he was struggling. Like When he first got given captaincy, he was struggling to handle it. But then as the season got on, and then another quote came out, I think, last summer, that he really grew into it. So another part of him growing up and another good time for Liverpool. Yep, yep, exactly that. Um, <clears throat> Arsenal, Michael, I know you're another one of your uh, favourite topics. Uh, real deal? Yeah, I think for me, Arsenal this season have obviously been the best team in the league. They've been the most fun team to watch in the league. I think their football is actually more entertaining than Man City's, in my opinion. Um, Martin Odegaard, I clowned him last year. This guy has won me over. He's showing the levels of why people thought he was a wonder kid when Wariyama just signed him at 16. He's absolutely phenomenal. He's dictating play. And I saw this. I know Bilal will hate this, but I saw someone say this on Twitter yesterday. I think he would actually be a perfect long-term replacement to Real Madrid. Like if you want to bring him back for Luka Modric because Odegaard has developed a strain off. He's able to dictate play from deep, not just a little further forward. Mm. Um, obviously, I don't know if he'll want to go back to Real Madrid because I don't think things ended the best way there. Um, but I think he's been phenomenal this season. Granite Xhaka has been phenomenal. Bukaya Saka, I think for me, is the second best right winger in the world. I think he proved like he's better than Usman Dembele in the World Cup, in my opinion. And he's been phenomenal. Martinelli has proved me wrong, and Ketia did the job. Um, defensively, I do agree with a lot. I think Kieran Tierney is probably the weak link, but Zinchenko is a starter anyway, so when he comes back in, he'll set up. He'll show why he's a better left back. They're just a well-oiled machine, and if they don't win the league this season, Man City come back, I think Arsenal are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And you saw Stan Kroenke was at the stadium yesterday. Wenger was there. Terry Henry was there because he was doing Amazon Prime. There's a good feeling about Arsenal now. And Mikel Arteta has brought it back. And props to Arteta. I know a lot of us, like before the last season, were clowning him. But he's proven to be, in my opinion, he's up there with the uh, Klops and Peps in terms of just like tactical. Obviously, he doesn't have the accomplishments as them yet. But he's shown that he's ready to get to that step and that level. And Arsenal just really good. I I can't keep hating on them. Like I had to drop my agenda this season. They're just phenomenal. Alex, um, <clears throat> even if they don't win the title, as many think they won't, everyone's no, everyone's kind of assuming that Man City will come good and and take over the the league title race. And they they haven't got obviously the, the 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 Liverpool pressure this time, and Arsenal won't be able to maintain. But like Michael says, even if they don't win the title this season, do you still see them being in and around title challenges going forward now? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I, I said it the other day. I think if Arsenal don't up, end up winning the league, I think it will be because Pep Guardiola does something absolutely unprecedented. Um, Manchester City go on like a twenty-game winning streak or something ridiculous. I don't think it'll, I. I don't feel confident in saying Arsenal are going to butter. Um, I think you're going to average out 
Bilal, uh continuing normal title winning form. Uh, seriously impressed with Arteta and how they've grown. And uh, I guess before we end the discussion as well, it's worth saying my, my barometer of Arsenal's success was yesterday, well, this morning when I saw loads of West Ham fans saying David Moyes needs to go after that performance. I said, guys, listen, I'm, I, I'll be the first to say David Moyes not, but might not be the right manager for West Ham, but are you really going to call him out for not playing, you know, liquid football against Arsenal? That's the one, maybe one of the two games of the season he's allowed to sit back and just try and defend. That shouldn't be a game to judge him on. This is Arsenal. So that's the team Arsenal are now. And I mean, yeah, West Ham, we'll have to see what happens with them. They're in a bit of a ropey spot. West Ham are in a bit of a ropey spot. Um, you know, it's difficult. Again, I, I did suggest that West Ham are going to struggle this season. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's fair to say that midfield seems to be sort of been playing for the last it seems like every single game, every single minute for the last two years. Um that pivot of of Rice and um Suchek. It's just that guy, every, by the way, that guy for me might be the worst midfield in the league. I do not like Thomas <laughs> Suchek. He is so bad. No, I'm okay, sorry. so I, check I, this I, out. I, I I said this about Joe Linton, so I'm gonna watch my words, right? But I agree with you. Like so many people were coming for me last season when they kept picking him in this FPL and he kept flukily getting on the end of set pieces or crosses and tap like Suchek was a goal scoring machine from midfield. And then you watch him play and you're thinking, yo, man, this is I don't know. What is this? This is I feel bad for Declan Rice. Like this guy, like he has so much work to do in that midfield that I'm sorry. Declan Rice wants to play ball sometimes, but who are you gonna play with? This is why when people say Declan Rice, nah, I'm not feeling Declan Rice, man, for a top team like a Chelsea or a Man City or a Liverpool. I'm taking Declan Rice. I think Declan Rice has got the ability to become even better. Imagine well, we've seen Declan Rice next to a Jude Bellingham. Imagine next to a Thiago, for example, I'm just saying. Or at, or or next to uh, uh you know whoever Chelsea Kovacic. Or even honestly, if he says next to a Casemiro. Bruno or Casemiro like... or Ericsson. Yeah, you know, these guys, you know, he wants to play football. But what's that tweet, guys? Did you guys see the really one of the funniest tweets I've seen about uh David Moyes and how he is handling Paqueta? Someone said something about it's like giving my grandmother uh, an NTO digital box or something like you know like <laughs> something something along something along those lines, man. Like other as well. Yeah, it's like what, what do you do with Paqueta? Like David Moyes just doesn't. Yes, man, they've got yeah. some good footballers, man. Honestly, Ben Rama, I don't know where Lanzini is, um, but Paqueta even injury Bowen, like, killed him, man. Yeah. Injury killed him. Uh, I'm gonna be Yeah, Fornals is another good player. They've got good players, but it's like. The way they set up is obviously not conducive to playing the football that maybe they should play. But I think a lot of it as well does stem from their defence. You know, their defence isn't the most comfortable on the ball. The one they obviously, I know Aguero wasn't there. Um, Zuma wasn't there. So maybe when they come in, you know, things will be different. But yeah, West Ham, it's one of those ones. With clubs like West Ham, they had those few years where, you know, I think other teams were sleeping, but they were coming up. They got the Europa League. They should have kicked on from there. They thought they did. Spent all that money in the summer. Skamaka still yet to really um, show his worth, you know, for West Ham. They've got the makings there. Maybe they just need a change. Maybe someone like, I don't know, but would have, this is a problem with teams at West Ham. Would a Pochettino decide I would take a West Ham job? You know, I don't know. Would he think he's too big for that? Or maybe like after you know, the season ends. I don't think the problem is like you need a Pochettino. I think, I think everything's in place for West Ham. They just need to try and play with more possession and let, like I said, I've watched him quite a bit recently, went to see him live with some friends mm -hmm. 
And as soon as they brought Michael Dawson got injured, and as soon as he went off again, they stopped hoofing it long and playing it into midfield. And once it was allowed for Skamaka and Paqueta to get on the ball, they looked like a really good football team. But the problem is playing Suchek every game, and David Moyes seems to be just a bit too resistant. I don't think you need it's Pochettino. Fellini, that's why. Yeah, it's I think Fellini. you need. Yeah. I don't think you need Pochettino. So I think you need like even the RB Light former RB Leipzig manager Dominika Tesco, even someone like Eddie Howe before he took over Newcastle, someone who's just willing to. Play with the ball mm-hmm. instead of playing. Give a bit the job too... to Michael Carrick. I've seen the... Yeah, instead of Michael playing Carrick a bit too much. Oi, like that would a be... That's a shout. That's a shout. That's his. Did he not come to yeah, the academy too? Yeah. yeah, he did. He did. He's from the academy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't say really Michael Carrick. Ball, Rio, all of those guys like. Think they're yeah, Carrick that's Carrick. not a bad shout, actually. Mike Car- Michael Carrick, the future of new new age English coaches. Don't really go middles, bro. Took him out to tenth place already. Interesting, interesting shout. Interesting shout. Look. Spurs was ended up Spurs being the only shock or bad result for the top six or seven, however you want to look at it. Liverpool won, Arsenal won, uh, Newcastle won. And then the following day, we thought, okay, is there going to be a shock in the Chelsea or United games? We'll go to the Chelsea game first, I guess. Um, a very basic routine. We're not much to talk about here. Um, Chelsea done the job. Chelsea were at home to, to Bournemouth, who... Yeah, I mean, look, Bournemouth, Bournemouth are Bournemouth, right? They got our boy Solanke up front, you know, and I don't even know some of the other players. Like, there's no disrespect to them, but you know, journeymen like Billing and and and, and Cook, and I mean, I don't know. Um, it was a routine win, Alex. I guess for Chelsea, they had to do what they got to do. Again, all eyes on how. Um, Graham Potter's going to set up with this Chelsea team. Three at the back, five at the back, two in midfield. Who is he going to play up front? It's just swapping, swapping, swapping. I sense that this could be his settled formation going forward. Relatively comfortable. Not much to talk about in terms of shocks or surprises, right? Yeah, um, I think he, he seems quite settled on four back. I think that's the future, especially they're bringing in Beduar Balayashile, who we don't have to go too much on about, but he plays mainly in a four at the back for Monaco. And I think that's a big signal for where Chelsea want to go. I think the biggest conclusion we can draw from this game and the game we're about to talk about as well is that this World Cup break has really benefited managers who've um, come in just before it and had that six weeks to work at their team. Like you saw today, Graham Potter had Graham Potter clearly implemented some good patterns of play that Chelsea are working with. They looked more like a team that have had some good time with their coach rather than a guy who's had who's come in mid season is just trying to scrap around. And I think you know you started this chat by saying Tottenham. I think that that six week break, the the break is given for Ten Hag, the break is given for Graham Potter, and the break is given in for Eddie Howe to keep going. I think that's really bad news for Antonio Conte and Tottenham, who look like they've haven't made as much progress in that time. I noticed that as well. It's, it's one of the things that I pointed out. I said, you can tell a coach from the time he has with his team on the coaching, on the, on the training ground, and how they come back. Um, for me, Bilal, Chelsea looked a far more settled unit. I saw patterns of play. Sterling looked better. Pulisic looked better. And Havertz and, and, Havertz and Mount partnership looked better. So all round, I thought they looked far better than they have in recent Obviously, not recent weeks, but you know, the, the weeks before the World Cup. Yeah, 100%. What it is with Chelsea, it's just going to take time. It's going to take this transfer window, it's going to take another transfer window. We know they have the money. We know Todd Bowley is willing to spend on whatever it takes to get Chelsea to have a competitive squad. It's just all about the time. And 
time on the training ground with Potter. For how long with Tuchel, they were playing, you know, a, a brand of football which wasn't conducive to fluidity, if we're keeping it real. You know, that's mm-hmm. the main aim of the game for a manager like Potter. And today we saw with the likes of Havertz and Sterling, Mount's goal was fantastic as well. Pulisic as well was causing problems when he could, you know, running in behind. Maybe even could have got a penalty, I believe, in one moment of the game as well. So you can see that Chelsea are working on things. But the concern is the second half wasn't the greatest. And of course, when you're playing Bournemouth, you take it with a pinch of salt. And I think now the issue is becoming maybe Reese James, unfortunately. Uh. The injuries that the kid's picking up, man. Like You know, it's one of those ones. Some of these players who are very explosive, very, you know, like quick. They've got these quick fibre muscles or whatever, and they can get injured. Like Oxley chamberlains one guy. Obviously, me and Grizz are familiar with him. Injury after injury. Because when you're built like that, at times, I feel like you can get injured all the time. You know, and I hope Reese James doesn't have one of those careers where it stops start and, you know, it's like what could have been because his talent is unbelievable. So I think apart from that, Chelsea are slowly but surely going to build something. More goals, more being more clinical is going to come with time and new signings. And Kunku is going to come in, probably another striker in the summer. And then the midfield is going to be invested in as well. So I think, yeah, slowly, patience, but Chelsea, yeah, well, they'll come again. I like that. Perfect segue into you said investment will come, new players will come into the midfield. I'm going to get to Michael, who's put in the chat an update about Enzo Fernandez. Uh, yeah. Najib sends in a super chat. says, Todd Bowley, please do not sign Felix. We have enough players like him. We need someone like Liao. Also, Badia Shile is a good value compared to 100 million Gavardio. Um, Felix is a wonderful player. Najib, I can't lie. Liao is fantastic as well. Total different types of player, of course from a physical point of view, but stylistically as well. Badia Shile and Badio, wow, two great centre-backs. I really rate Badia Shile, really rate him at Monaco. Um, but we saw what Vardio's ability is, like he's scary, scary as well. So let's see what happens. But but we have um, people going wild and mad in the chat because, um, um, sorry, not that one. Uh, exclusive Enzo Fernandez as Chelsea ready to smash transfer record, but Benfica resistance gives Man United and Liverpool hope. Duncan Castles is reporting. Um, so Liverpool fans, I was just speaking off air with these guys, and they were saying Enzo Fernandez. I think Bill, I was talking. Um, from what I've been told today, uh, the Enzo Fernandez chat from our side is cooled down. Uh, it's not so hot. Um, is an option for us. But that's it at the moment. Um, so that's it. That's all I want to say from a Liverpool point of view. If that's bad news, if you lot are sad, I'm sorry. If you're leaving the stream, please like on your way out. If you still got hope, then continue watching. We're just going to very f- quickly finish up on the Chelsea game. But before we do, what do you think, Enzo Fernandez, Michael? Would he suit Chelsea? Again, we're talking about Gakbol profiling. Enzo Fernandez seems to be the talk of the town right now. How you see him profiling in, in these big teams? I mean, I want him at Man United. I, I've been evident, but my club is broke. We can't even afford the janitor at Old Trafford right now, so let alone Enzo Fernandez. I know people have been talking about us sharing the release clause. I don't believe it. Um, Todd Bowley, I guess he... I don't know about Enzo Fernandez. It's really hard for me to like think of Chelsea profiles because they're all over the place because like they want to sign Joao Felix when you just got in Kunku and Havertz. Felix and Kunku Havertz front three will make me not want to watch Chelsea for the rest of my life because that's three players that don't have a defined position. So I know Tabo, this ain't basketball, bro. This ain't no positionless game. Football in these positions. Um, with Enzo, 
Jorginho was leaving most likely. I heard there was a rumor that Newcastle want him in the win- in the January window. Uh, he might go back to Syria in the in the summer. So I think maybe Enzo and then I don't know who plays next to him. It's very weird with Chelsea, but apparently Duncan Duncan Castle is they're gonna br- that record will be broken. Like the Enzo will break Joe Felix's record. So it's about 127 million. Do I think Enzo Fernandez is worth 127 million? No, because I would never pay that much money for a midfielder in my opinion. I think you save that kind of money for a forward. Because um, we saw with Chelsea right now, they uh, Guardiola was the number one option, but they cut that price down and they went for Badia Shile. So I'm really questioning with Todd Bowley, but I, I don't know what's going on in Todd Bowley's mind. This guy's a wild card, and that's why I don't like being in transfer sagas with him because this guy <laughs> might just go all in or just go all out. So, yeah, we'll see what Enzo, though. Um, Enzo Fernandez, uh, Alex, your thoughts on Enzo Fernandez? Um. I disagree with Mike on a few things. Not the fact that he's an exceptional player. I think he's actually more exceptional. Um, that we spoke about here. I'm a huge fan. I've been watching Benfica pretty much all season purely because of him. But forgive me for any information that everyone already knows, but the game that really stood out against Rio Ave, I think it was 4-2 Benfica in the end. He played 70 minutes. He didn't miss a pass and he got two assists. 100% pass accuracy. He's From minute one since he's got here... Uh, to Europe, he's been sensational. And as regards to Chelsea, one, I think the Badia Chile signing, I was going to mention it, uh, I didn't want to interrupt, but buying him over over Vardio, I think that actually signals Potter's working with Todd Burley quite closely because Potter, one thing at Brighton he loved was height. He had Lewis Dunk, Adam Webster and Dan Byrne as he's back three, all six foot four plus. The one thing Badia Chile has over Gavardio is he's much more of a threat in the, in the penalty box. He's got three goals in his last 12 games with his head, Badia Chile. So I think that's a Graham Potter-driven move. And if those two are working closely, um, I'd actually spend 120 million on Enzo Fernandez. Maybe I'm getting too, you know, waxing lyrical too much, but I seriously think he'd be a game changer. I think he's incredible. I think but- I would spend 120 mil for Man United because I really want him, but I don't know for Chelsea who I think... Could, like they have much. More if I if I have the money, I'd sign him for any club that doesn't already have Jude Bellingham. Well, in Venice, probably playing alongside that doesn't already have like, you know, someone like him, like a deep line playmaker. Like if you haven't already got that and you've got the money to spend, in my opinion, maybe I'm um, like this is just too generalized. This is, I'd go for it. But this is but, but Michael, I'm interested to know as well because I kind of agree with with Alex in terms of. The profile of player. I'm, I'm trying to envisage, and obviously, I'm I'm not coming from a Liverpool point of view. I'm, I'm trying to come from a just a normal football football guy's point of view. How does he fit into your team with a team full of? You got Ericsson playing from a deep position. Bruno, oh, no, he's playing. he's replacing Ericsson. Ericsson sitting bench. Enzo Fernandez coming into <laughs> wow. that midfield. Right next you know to Casemiro. Right next to Casemiro. Do you know the amount of dog in that midfield? Ain't no one chatting to us in that midfield. You trying to fight Man United with Casemiro, Enzo? You're gonna lose. So that's why I want thing, Enzo Fernandez. The one thing Enzo Fernandez hasn't done this season with Benfica so much is defensive work, and it's because he had Florentino Luis. Remember him doing oh. basically all of it. For and who's him. an upgrade? And who's the the top dog in defensive mid in terms of holding? It's Casemiro. It's Casemiro. Yeah. So yeah. it's a perfect yeah. fit. We're gonna chat about Casemiro in just a couple of minutes. Bilal, uh, Enzo Fernandez. Yeah, Enzo. Echo everything these guys have said. He's a tremendous player, passing control of the game. Even the little touches and turns that I've seen him do, just ridiculous, just effortless. And then when you think about Chelsea's situation in terms of the midfield, right? Jorginho, as we said, he's probably going to leave. Kante, like, it's over, isn't it? So it's over for him. Kovacic is one of those players where 
they said he wanted to leave, right? He, well, he might want to yeah. leave Chelsea still. So it might be a thing where they they know he's going to leave, so they're going to have a lot of spaces in that midfield. And yeah. with Enzo, and I'd probably say Declan Rice would probably come in as well, you'd imagine. At Chelsea, I don't see any other club really signing him out of the big clubs, apart from Chelsea, to be fair. So you can see a Declan Rice and Enzo in there. And then, obviously, Mason Mount is still about. So I can see this still happening because one thing we know with Todd Bowley, it feels like he's got a bit of a gambler's mentality. I don't know what it is. Like, uh, who said it? Somebody said it. All in. He'll go either all in. Yeah, he's got a bit of that casino, Las Vegas, whatever happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas kind of vibe to him. So, yeah, definitely. If he feels like I want Enzo, he's watched a bit of him in the World Cup, he's going to be like, yeah, that's the guy. So, but I don't know. Is it good? Is it a good move for Enzo, do you think, though? Because no. he could wait out, go to maybe a Real Madrid, a Man City might come calling. I dare say a Newcastle, who seem really exciting at this moment, and we know the money they have as well. I'm not sure if it's the best move, but Potter, at the very least, is someone who's a progressive manager and will get the team playing, and he'll be a massive part of that if they do get him. Anybody want to add or subtract anything from that before we move on from the Enzo chat? I, I want to ask right, Alex one thing real quick. Oh, from just from a United yeah. perspective, we're going, would you rather? Who do you think is a better fit for Man United? This will segue into Man, uh, Frankie or Enzo? Because it's like the two names that we've been heavily linked with. Mm. Oh, I'd say well, that's really tough. To be fair, um, I I'd be inclined to go Enzo Fernandez because I feel like he does a lot of the things that Frankie De Jong does well already, like to his standard. And the bits where De Jong has him, which I think would be like drip, like dribbling into the final third like he's ball carrying mm. I think Enzo could grow into that um, so I'd, I'd be inclined to go Enzo still over De Jong but I was say, but like, I feel like you on I, I feel like you contradicted your point in the sense like not like not in a factual manner but you said mm. Chelsea are likely to get Declan Rice so Declan Rice Enzo Fernandez Mason Mount midfield and he said maybe Chelsea's the best club to go to if I'm Enzo Fernandez having mm. Declan Rice next to me couldn't you I mean for the, say you've got to pick a midfield partner for the next six years, can you think of a better one than Declan Rice? The thing is, people show many. Yeah, if they do get him, but if if you went to Real Madrid, you know, yeah, I can't, I can't really think of too many better players to go to. But if he was with a, it depends on the team, right? If it is a Declan Rice who's going to sit there, win the ball, and then give it to him, and then you know they can control the ball that way. Or if it is like a a, a Newcastle or a Man City where they've got like a Bruno or a Rodri in there who can, you know, also win the ball back, but really dictate the play, I think, on another level to a Declan Rice. You know, I think those options, there could be better options, you know, if he maybe waits it out in terms of those sort of clubs, because I feel like Chelsea are still in that position where, you know, they're still trying to come back. They're still in that process. They're still in that transition where there's other clubs right now that Enzo could go to and he could immediately make a massive, massive impact. But I don't get me wrong, even on the Enzo-Frenkie debate, right? Like, Frenkie, for me, is a fantastic footballer, but I doubt a lot of the things to do with his mentality. Even when I've watched him live, I've just... There's dog. a lot of things. Like, yeah, he gets bullied, man. Even though I've watched him live, I'm just thinking, bro, you're just getting... It's like Pedri's in there having to do so many things. You know, Busquets, old man. He's got him, he's got him <laughs> doing overtime at times. So sometimes with Frenkie as well, he has a lot of question marks as well. Mm. If he comes to the Premier League, I feel like he might have a bit of a shock to his system. So that's another player there that I'm, I've got more question marks about than Enzo. Enzo, 100%. Chelsea, let's see if they do the deal. We'll get to watch him in the Premier League at the very least. Yeah, I think I think you're right. In terms of, you might be actually more right in terms of, mate, if he went to a Manchester City, that, like, you know, is more guaranteed success. But I feel like we should ban Enzo Fernandez from going to Manchester City because that's not <laughs> fair. 
<laughs> That's just not fair. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up somewhere like Man City. They almost um, got him in the. They wanted to do the double sweep from River Plate. Yeah, they got Julian yeah, Alvarez, but if Bernardo had left for Barcelona. They would have gotten Enzo, but yeah. And Gundogan's yeah. getting on as well. Gundogan's getting on. Even to be honest, right. Kevin De Bruyne still doing it. Don't get me Don't wrong. start it's that the, chat. The World Cup is finished. No, 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 Slander's gone. World Cup's gone. So we're back to Premier League De Bruyne. <laughs> he's back to Haaland like, up top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comfort zone De Bruyne. So he's he's, he's a good player. Comfort zone yeah. De Bruyne. Yeah. That's what I call him. Comfort zone. Exactly. But um, I look at that position, right? There's going to be spaces opening there. And Enzo at Man City would be a... You know what? Let's not wish that into existence. Actually, let's, he's come Manchester. Let him go, Chelsea. Yeah, let, you know what? United though impressing me, man. I'm not gonna lie. And obviously today, we might as well just go into it. I guess. Chris. Well, we're gonna get into. I'm just gonna read the super chat before we get into last but not least. I hope they wish they were last. And you know, I'm convinced no midfielder or striker. Abyssinian appreciate the support. He says I'm convinced no midfielder or striker works at Chelsea. Not even Jesus. Uh, yeah, look, Chelsea's been a bit of a graveyard for forwards and attackers in recent times, but and midfielders as well, I guess you say. Zachary didn't have a bad game today, but you know, we won't do a lentra. The last game of the well of the evening, obviously, Man City is still to play tomorrow, was Man United. Um, Michael, fairly routine, no real big issues. There wasn't gonna be big issues against Nottingham Forest, surely. But in terms of you know, the 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 main surprise, I guess you can say, was the the Shaw playing at left side centre back. I thought he'd done very well. He's very good on the ball. Um, and I guess people want to talk about Rashford, the continuation of the of the comeback, Rematonda of Rashford. And uh, maybe some people may want to ask you about Anthony and what where's where's this where's the slander for Anthony and not you know why is this slander for Nunes but not Anthony? But anyway, it's up to you. New uh, uh, Manchester United, take it away. I'll save the Anthony slander for last because I'm going to go ahead and because I've been having a long day on Twitter about him. Uh, start with Marcus Rashford, franchise, franchise. That's a franchise player right there. Fantastic game again. Um, He's been really positive. He keeps doing like the pressers. He's very happy with Ten Hag. I want to shout out Benny McCarthy, who's a new attacking coach. He's been working with Rashford behind the scenes. He's been helping him play. So he was fantastic today. Um, Luke Shaw. I've been Luke Shaw's biggest critic and all his biggest optimist, like, I've always questioned his intensity, but when he is on form, there are not many better left packs on this planet than him. He's like just on the ball, technical ability wise, forget like intensity defending, just on the ball. I generally don't think there's a better left back on the, in this league than him. Maybe other than Joao Cancelo. He's so good on the ball. He can slide, he can play left back very well. His progressive numbers are high. And today, left center back, he looked at ease. Like didn't it didn't like phase him. Obviously, Forrest isn't like the biggest test. If he played against, like, let's say Wolves on the weekend, like a Diego Costa like, coming up against Luke Shaw, he might get bullied. Diego Costa might take some heritage on him in that aspect. But he was so good on the ball. And then that man in the match right there, Casemiro. This guy changed my life. I never knew a DM could be this good. I generally never knew a DM could be this good. This guy changed my <laughs> life. He changed my life. He's just like, he just covers like eight different positions. He's not even that fast, but like, I think someone said it. He transports to the ball. Like, he just like, he's over there. He just wins it back. And then the assist today. Like, someone said on Twitter as well, playing next to Modric and Cruz, they're, like, in a way, obviously, it helped him become one of the most successful players ever. But it kind of did a hindrance to, like, how people rate him because people thought he was just his destroyer. But on the ball, he is so good. And I fell victim to that. I didn't think he would be this good on the ball. But he generally might be our best midfielder on the ball when you have an elect- when you have the likes of Erickson and Bruno next to him. He is just so, so good. And Florentino Perez, I want to thank you because you've done miracles on me. I am so happy this guy's a Man United player. He's the best DM in the league. He's the best DM in the world. And honestly, 
he might be the best DM of the last decade other than maybe Sergio Busquets. We'll have that discussion for another day if Casemiro wins like another Champions League or something. But he's just so good. I'm happy to see Martial get on the score sheet. But then that guy on the right wing, Anthony, $100 million fidget spinner. This guy. Today, there's a reason why we're broke because we spent $100 million on this guy. Because um, Man United waited too long to buy him and they overpaid. Um, Eric Ten Hag is at fault for that. Today, he was absolutely atrocious. I don't think he did a single thing right. And my biggest issue is we talk about Cody Gakpo being two footed. We also talk about Hakeem Ziyech being one footed. Anthony falls onto the Hakeem Ziyech. Uh, side of things. This guy is so one-footed. I've never seen him use his left foot. His left foot, uh, his right foot doesn't exist. I'm sorry. He was just so bad. Um, he would like against Croatia that last World Cup game for Brazil. He was absolutely phenomenal. He was tearing Borna Soso apart. And then just to today, like he wasn't taking his man on. He was drifting way too far inside when he's supposed to be a wide outlet, like Bukayo Saka is for Arsenal. Similar tactics. He's supposed to be on the outside, and he was just drifting way, way too inside. Um, he needs to fix up. Because I don't think Ten Hag was happy with him in the performance. He, like, pulled him aside. And let's not forget, this guy took three weeks off to go prepare for World Cup for Brazil. He didn't want to play. And Ten Hag gave him the pass to do that. So, if you're going to do that, you better come back and perform very well. He didn't do that. So, he needs to fix up. I know the I know value of the price shouldn't always dictate a player because it's not in his uh, it's not his fault. Like, the club played for them. That shouldn't, but you need to step up uh, because Sancho's going to come back soon. Sancho's going to want that right wing spot because that left wing spot's unlocked. Rashford, that's that's Rashford's spot, and Garnacho has shown that he could be a deputy, uh, a viable deputy to that left wing. So that right wing, Alang is gonna come for you. Sancho's gonna come for you. So Anthony better buck up his ideas, or otherwise he's just gonna go down as an, as a Premier League flop. So I'm not trying to be too harsh on that guy, but he just like I was very frustrated with the performance today. But otherwise, mm. job done. Move on to the next game, and we we'll go from there. Mm. Alex, thoughts on Anthony and uh, anybody else that you may want, maybe you want to speak on Casemiro or Ayako. Casemiro for me has been the outstanding DM in world football for the last decade. Um, I guess some would say underrated. I'm telling you, he's been underrated. But now he's obviously in the Premier League glare and we're seeing him, even though he's in the twilight of his career, you see the mean machine that he is. He's an absolute machine. Right now, people have been asking me, "Do would you still take Rodri right now?" Right now, I would because I wouldn't. I would have taken Casemiro. If you rewind three, four years, I would have taken Casemiro eyes closed. But right, right now, I'm taking Rodri. That's just me personally. But Casemiro is is sensational. And today, he was playing in slippers. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of with you on that. I think Rodri. I mean, it depends on the team. If I'm a team that yeah. hasn't hasn't got much of the ball, I'm taking Casemiro. If I'm a team that likes to really, I, th- I think. Casemiro was the perfect sign of Manchester United because I think three, four years into the Ten Hag project, uh, when Casemiro is probably getting ready to hang up his boots, he'll be outdated for it, in my opinion, because that'll be the point where Man United are averaging 70% of the ball. And that's when he's like in possession flaws. It's, I wouldn't say flaws, but more average qualities will be exposed a little bit. Right now, where Man United are a bit more flexible, I think he's absolutely perfect um and uh, yeah i think you're right to say he's a little wonder when he moved to manchester United in the summer everyone was a bit like never quite a few people corners were saying oh this isn't you know the good move you should have got frankie de jong this is you know a bit of a waste and uh kind of sat back i was like hang on a second this guy's the chief plot in the game you need to give him respect and he may not have the legs of kante but he's got the brains of him on anthony because um i think michael had a lot to say on that and it's really hard to disagree with what you said and you would have watched him more as a Man United fan this season. I watched him when he first moved to Ajax. He's the first player I ever wrote a published article on Anthony. And I had really big hopes for him. He'd written an autobiography 
before he even moved to um, the Netherlands when he was like 19. And in his first few highlights, you go back, Michael, you might be quite shocked to see how willing he was to use his right foot. I remember one particular goal that some Ajax fans will even remember. It's it one of his first goals where Mohamed Kudus, of all players, when he's just coming through, played a ball sort of into, it was a counter-attack, around the edge of the box. Anthony, first time, belts it of his right foot into the top corner. And at that point, I thought, this is an exciting player. If he can work on that, keep that going, then you've got a very two-footed winger who's, you know, got that dog, as everyone has said this stream, that I'm not, it's a phrase I don't use too often. <laughs> Fast forward two years, though, and I kind of share a lot of your worries. I am not a Premier League defender. I'm not even a League Two defender. However, I feel like if you're defending against Anthony, it must be made a little bit easier by the fact you know 99.999% of the time he's going on his left foot. If he if he takes it past you to go on the outside, you're like, cool, okay, you're going to go back onto your left at some point. Takes it past you in, okay, you're going back onto your left. At some, at some point, he's going back to that left foot. And I think he will get found out if he doesn't adapt. Because as, you know, the Zia comparison, I think he's been shut down in the Premier League due to that dependence on one foot. So, yeah, I think Michael kind of said it best. I'm a bit worried for Anthony. I think it was an overpayment and he needs to... Uh, needs to up his ideas up. He won't be a terrible player. He'd just be a bit limited. And also, one Nottingham Forest, that's the first time I watched a full 90 of them, and they're, get, they're going down. And the, <laughs> when 30, 30 minutes in, when Serge Aurier made a run, didn't get the ball, and for a hissy fit in the box when Forest was still on the attack, and it just got accepted by the team. They are like, that's normal. I was like, right, this Aurier. Yeah. yeah, I Typical was like, this Yeah, when Serge Aurier is like the 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 mascot of your team mood that's the point you know when you're going down yeah it's peak it's peak it's peak that's that's the peak you 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 know you're in trouble bill out um we're going to end with a bit of man united slander and one of their players because that's the best way to end the stream on my channel this is how we do man uh anthony uh 100 million euros or pounds i don't know euros, euros. Yeah. okay euros no problem i know i i, I have to be straight because I do the I do the Nunes chat in pounds and you know what I mean, but but Anthony, I mean I, I Man United fans very much thought I'm being biased and Liverpool whatever because I was telling people about Anthony and I said this crazy price, crazy price for Anthony, like he's mad on the futsal pitch, like I'm telling you, you could make a compilation of this guy and you think whoa, some of the shit he can do, but yeah, this is the Premier League dog. You know what I mean? You're you're in trouble. You try that, they'll break your legs. And I don't know if you're going to come back for more and more and more. I haven't been impressed with him. He, st he's, he banged in a goal here and there at the start and everyone was like, yo, look at this. We found a goal scorer. He's not him. Yeah, he is not him. You know what it is with him? I want to just say one thing. What's that line you've been using, Michael? Ajax, I think you said you done magic on, on, on you, but they done magic on me, right? Yeah, I used to play for days like this. Yeah, I used to play for days like this. Uh, yeah, they bankrupted Man United with the signing, you know. So, yeah, big up Ajax for doing that. But honestly, Anthony as a player, even before he went to United, this is what I was saying. I didn't understand why they were signing him at the time. I was like, have you watched him play? The things that he does and the things that Man United actually need, he is not that guy just because he's left-footed, just because I know Ten Hag was pushed. And because Man United don't really have a structure in place, you know, to say this is not the guy we should sign, you know, you end up overspending on a guy like Anthony. The thing is with him, he is in that Nicolas Pepe category, man, where five-a-side, power league, bro, you're the guy. You can do the little turns, the little flicks, the little do whatever. 
But in 11-a-side pitch, man, I don't think Anthony's that guy. Even in, during the World Cup, I remember one game, it was Brazil, I can't remember what game it was, and I said, Anthony, oh, like, I said something. And, yeah, I, I said this, bro. You watch him, he actually doesn't affect the game, right? He doesn't yeah, affect but, the game whatsoever. I just want a Man United fan to reply to this because he thinks that we're having some... He goes, one bad game and they're on to Anthony Grizz. Have some shame, lol. Uh, I'm shameless, first and foremost. You, you already should know that. I'm shameless. So, but Michael, is it just one bad game and we've been too harsh on Anthony? I, like, ju- I just think, like, I think, I mean, he did have a good start in terms of, like, scoring against Arsenal, but I think his flaws are just so big. And then when you mm-hmm. spend that kind of money on a player, your flaws cannot be that big. You need to be a game changer. And I think my, my issue is, like, is with Ten Hag as well. Ten Hag's talent ID for me right now is very questionable. I'm seeing these, like, I saw Dumfries links. I will be very disappointed by that. You will see me put my head through a wall. If we ever signed Denzel Dumfries, might as well keep um, on Bissaka. Oh, exactly. Obviously. Um, <laughs> like I just think with Anthony, like this guy perspective, I'm a Diallo who's having a really good loan spot at Sunderland. Like for me, I think he has a higher ceiling than Anthony because first of all, he can use his right foot, and he's very much more versatile. He can cook someone. He can be on the outside, inside. He can play the eight. He can play the ten. He's showing like that he's a very high ceiling. I mean, also Ama Diallo was very high rated at Atalanta. Juventus wanted him. He was like he was a much higher rated prospect than Anthony was coming from Sao Paulo. So I just think with Anthony, like, if he learns how to use his right foot, yes, he'll be a better player. But it's not just a one-footed. He's not quick enough. Like with Pepe, mm. Pepe could beat a man. I mm. haven't really seen Anthony beat a man. It takes him, like, five minutes to actually beat a man. Like, it requires, like, 100% effort for him to just to beat mm. someone, and then he'll just pass it back to the fullback. I just think, for me, he was the wrong signing. I needed someone. Man United wingers aren't meant to be like Anthony. We're meant to be like more like Marcus Rashford. Direct, yeah. 1v1 threats, get down the byline, or cut inside and shoot or cross. Like, those, those kind of wingers. I just think for me, Anthony, it was a Ten Hag signing. And this one falls more on Ten Hag than, like, the blame falls more on Ten Hag than Anthony. I think Ten Hag, I think will be, I've said this, I, I said it, like, the first time I came on the channel in June. I said Ten Hag got too much power in Man United. And I think Anthony will be the epitome of that because he kept insisting on Anthony getting signed, signed, signed. And we ended mm-hmm. up paying over the budget. And now we're broke. And we can't afford to sign a midfielder. We can't even afford to get Joe Felix on loan right now. A loan we can't afford to get. Because we spent way too much money on this guy. Well, but I don't want to interrupt, but I just want to say one positive thing, right? Man United are impressing me. A lot of the things they're doing. Yeah, like, we're, we're playing ball. better. The way you're playing, Malasia today, I was impressed with the position. Are you pr- was I wasn't impressed with him, but I, I thought. Yeah. That guy was like, just a little thing, little things, man, little things. You got to watch. You know what I mean? But Martial as well, Rashford, and Rashford, man, he looks fit now. That's just the thing with Rashford. He wasn't washed, he wasn't finished. It's all about his fitness. And now finally, I think he's. Getting proper coaching with Ten Hag. He's happy. He's yeah, he's happy. He's the main man again. I think. Listen, United this season, right? Ralph Ragnick, it might man. be. Yeah, it might be the January window could be the reason that United don't make a top four. You know, push because if they could invest this window, I would put them favorites to be honest for top four just because of the things I'm seeing Ten Hag doing. I like the way they play. I like the things Ten Hag's doing. It's just that obviously the squad itself isn't maybe as deep as it should be. But Garnacho as well. Man, that kid, I'm seeing... No, Gar- it's not like, well, Garnacho, in five minutes, Garnacho showed me more than Anthony did today. Mm. With, with Anthony well, as well, it's worth saying, he's got three goals in 12 Europa League and Premier League games, no assists, and just spot Michael says, well, you said, brought in when Ten Hag signed in. He was signed right after that 4-0 Brentford drub in and the Brighton start as well. I think you're kind of right. I think it's very clear Ten Hag was like, get him in, whatever the price, and he's paying for it. Mm, listen, we can't be ending on 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 
high note with the United chat, man. Allow this. So we stop this chat right now. Abyssinian, who's an Arsenal fan, obviously, sends in a super chat. says, best DM, left back, centre back, best 10. You might think this man now top of the league. Lull. I take Partey any day of the week over anyone. Number in this five league. hype, man. Yo, nah, nah. Casemiro shows him levels every single time they'll ever play in their life, man. Relax with that, man. Bilal? That's five-time UCL winner. Show some respect. Yeah, listen, Parsi is fantastic, but I'm not going to sit here and say he's better than a legend of the game like Casemiro. So for me, Parsi is Why is man Why is man in the league? But yeah, you got to respect Casemiro. That left wing spot, though, Rashford, yo, Martinelli. Keep, yo, keep those shoes on. We're coming. Wise man Bilal ends on a wise, you know, he didn't fall for the bait and suddenly put Partey into Casemiro category. So a smart move. People, we're going to call it a night. This has been the, the, the debut show for Premier League Carnage. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. If you have, like the stream. If you haven't, like the stream. If you don't care, like the stream. You get the drift. You get the message. Like the stream. Um, don't forget our sponsors. Bottom of the title. You can see the banner there. Check out your futcard.com. You want your FUT cards made for your children, for your friends, nephews, nieces, uncles, aunts. These are the go-to people. Banners, flags, you name it. You type in red fellas, you get 15% off. You cannot go wrong. I want to thank you, Bilal. We chat soon. Alex, it's been wonderful speaking to you. We always have a brilliant, brilliant chat when you're on. It's been wonderful having you on, my friend. Thank you very much for coming on. Well, thank you very much for having me on, man. As I said, it's one of our favourite channels to be on. Brilliant. Oh, music to my ears. Make sure you guys go check out all Alex's socials. Um, Shit, we didn't put it in the description, Billa. But we'll put it into the... We'll it is, it his, the his, I think one, yeah, there should be something in the description for Alex. Okay. So go and check it out. Okay. Yeah. Oh, thank you. If, thank we, you. if we haven't, we'll fix it. Uh, Michael, superb as usual. We catch up soon. I hope your team has a run. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah. Like, get out of here, man. We can't be having this Casemiro chat and Luke Shaw chat, man. Get out of here, man. We're going to call it a wrap. I'm going to outro with the, with the new intro. Hope you guys like it. Look at Bilal's smile. Like the stream for Bilal's outro, intro. We are here. See you. Don't know, same time, same place. But yeah, we'll be back next week. Premier League Carnage. We out. Sports Social Podcast Network. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.